Welcome to another episode of The Paragon Path. This is episode 8, The Killer Wizards. We've got amazing guests with us today, and we're going to talk about everything that you can do to level that spell game up. We'll talk about everything from slow casting to the importance of DMAG, whose job it is to DMAG, and everything else that you can think of and want to know about wizard. So study up, grab your books, and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the eighth episode of The Paragon Path. This is The Killer Wizards. We have four amazing guests with us today, and we're going to have them introduce themselves, uh, what they've done in the game a little bit, their experiences, and uh, get it going. So this is a real early episode recording, if you guys didn't catch that. So if we're a little groggy, um, just buy us more coffee. Uh, we'll start with Cads. Hi, um, I'm Cads. I think I'm a marquee and a Paragon Wizard. I don't know. It's really early. <laughs> but but this is uh, my fourth and final appearance on the, on the, the uh, Paragon <laughs> path. Um, I, I'm Paragon Wizard is my latest Paragon. I've got I've gotten it almost exclusively from Phoenix League, so uh, I'm here to offer kind of that perspective. Next, let's go with Hodge. Hello, I am Hodge. Um, I am a Paragon Wizard and a Paragon Healer. Um, I've been playing for like uh, five years, it feels like. Maybe four years. <laughs> I don't like have my orc up or anything, but... I can find it if we need it. <clears throat> Uh, Vitalin. Hi, I'm Vitalin. Uh, Paragon Wizard. Been playing since July 14th, 2007. Um, you know what's funny? I didn't write... Uh, let's see here. Uh, Baron A. Um, pretty big hype person for the wizard class. <laughs> um, been playing it uh, ridiculously since for like all of version 7. I played like almost exclusively wizard for like all of version seven. And then in version eight, I was like, maybe I'll try these other classes. So, <laughs> um, that being said, I've played a plenty in version eight too. So, uh, I don't really have much else to share for introduction. I, I can't think of. All right. And Broton with a bunch of titles and names. Hi, I am Broton P. Loxalt. Uh, like Cads, this is, uh, well, this is my third time on the podcast here. Happy to be back. Uh, I am a Paragon Wizard and like three other Paragons, but we're here to talk about Wizards, so that's all I want to say for Paragon. And uh, yeah, I got big, long title. That's I don't really need to say because we're here to talk about wizard wizards. <laughs> yes, everyone's groggy. It's six a.m. Yeah. Um, so... the, Mike, introduce yourself. Uh, I'm my talent. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll, have, it'll have nothing to do with the quality of the podcast, though. Eventually, now nah, we will all be fine <laughs> and talking. <laughs> yeah. If you want to know more about me, watch the previous or listen to the previous episode. There you go. Yep. There we you go. Guys are drinking caffeine i should have thought about that i just have water <laughs> i got that's both. what i'm going with yeah. <laughs> i have this very small mug <laughs> that is um, also red and white i don't know why oh uh it looks like hodge's video went out for a second uh i did find hodge's orc um 
He's been playing since 2015. He does have three credits from 2011. So, woo. Uh, <laughs> so, on to our questions. Um, we always start with the same question because we have to set a rubric. That's kind of how this works. If you want to critique people, you have to give them a guideline to excel towards. There we go. Hodge is back. Um, so what is the difference between a level six and a paragon? Uh, let's start with Vitalin on this one, as he's technically the oh, newbie no. on the podcast. Oh, no. Don't start with me. Okay, you can start with me. It's fine. <laughs> I wanted to have that hot take at the end of it. <laughs> um, so... If, uh, if you've seen plenty of the other Paragon podcasts, uh, usually a lot of people answer with fairly the same stuff in just about every episode, um, which is usually that your, your level sixes are like, hey, you made it. <laughs> you, you, got, you got to the level and now you've got you know, the abilities and you can play around with them and you can have fun. And then the Paragon is like the, oh, I run around and I dominate with this or um, the... Uh, I know Cad's mentioned in I think just about every episode the you got your three S's, um, the what schooling skill and style or whatever. Yes. My personal take on it is um, is kind of like what Cad's has been saying has been you should be teaching people you should be really good at the class, um, but instead of style I use I use signature. Um, which is uh, basically something that makes you, when you play that class, kind of stand out um, from other people playing that class. Um, the uh, One of the things that um, I personally kind of like to use as sort of my signature um, and something that I've seen Haj do with his signature is innovation. Um, so... You don't necessarily have to be innovative when playing as a wizard or playing as a, a class to be a paragon with it. But what you might notice a lot is that people who become paragons like to tinker around and find different ways to make their class more efficient. Uh, my example is uh, I decided to ditch the spellball bag. And I still use spellballs, but I ditched the bag. I made a bandolier. So I can just take my spell balls and rip them off and toss them at people. I accidentally grabbed two. Um, and I did it really easily by putting, I bought, I bought linchpins that you could just buy and just stick right into your not work sash and then put little loops on your spell balls and they pop right out. And before you ask, um, Vitalin, how do you fit 40 spell balls to be an evoker wizard um, onto just like one sash or whatever? I will ask you, who says I cannot wear two sash bandoliers <laughs> and get all of my spell balls on there? So that's what I like to say is uh, you got your you got your schooling, you got your skill, be good at it, teach people it, but also find little inner workings about how you like to tinker around and find ways to make it more efficient. That's, that's something that makes a paragon. Certainly you'll find it in paragons. Agreed. Yeah. Definitely finding new ways to make the class work or making the class feel different than uh, a lot of people perceive it has been something yeah. that has followed through for all of our classes so far. Uh, let's go with Broton because he complained last time about going last. That's true. I don't like going last. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, just hit on the notes uh, that I, I've said last time. It's uh, Paragon is 
I mean, like Vitown says, level six, cool, you're level six, gold stars all around, you showed up enough. Bam, bam, bam. But a Paragon, it's like you have dedicated yourself to become like an elite unit, like in uh, tabletop gaming, video games, you are the name unit. You are worth like three to four, uh, three to five, like normal people. You influence the battlefield around you. Uh, especially it's like uh, here in Polaris, uh, which everyone here got their Paragon Wizard from Polaris. High fives all around, everybody. High fives yeah. all around. Um, but yeah, we we hyper focus on battlefield like efficiency around here and um but also like by town was saying it's like we do got to teach we got to help improve uh those around us to make things to make the skill level around us elevate with us because in my opinion that's what a paragon should be doing if you're if you're just out there kicking ass taking names awesome on you but if you're not raising the skill level around you you're just the kid kicking mud in other people's faces. So mm -hmm. that is, uh, I think everyone at any time a, uh, a Paragon starts coming up, we start noticing the meta in an, at least Polaris or their at least their park change around that player to either copy or try to counter that player. And that I think is an excellent sign of a growing and learning kingdom because then we're not just, well, they're good and I don't know what to do about them. Just learn, ask them how to beat them and they'll tell you. Like, <laughs> if someone knows how to beat they're, their class, it's the Paragons. They're human. You can talk to them. <laughs> yes, this is true. We're all human. Well, yeah, we're all human. <laughs> I try. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with Hodge for, the, for this question. Uh, for that, uh, yeah, six a.m. Let's go for to Hodge for this question. What's the difference between six and a Paragon? Are you listening, Hodge? Can you hear us? Uh oh! Oh no! Oh, no. He's gone. <laughs> All right. Well, Hodge tries to get back in. We'll get uh, Cad's answer on this one. All right. So my answer is the same as it's been. When you hit level six, your journey has just begun. It's like hitting max level in an MMORPG. You have a long road ahead of you. But since this is about wizard, I'll add a little something specific to wizard. Because of what a wizard can do and how you build a wizard, um, a lot of the other casters, and you know, this isn't trying to take away from the other casters, but the other casters can become a paragon when the spotlight isn't necessarily on them. Like a healer can sit, sit in the back, buff and support their team, and their recommendations usually come from the people who team up with them, like, yeah, I group with this healer and they're awesome. The wizard is, there's, um, there's almost no build a wizard that of its primary purpose being offense. So you're not going to get noticed in wizard unless you're really making people's lives miserable on the other teams that you're that, in the game, in the games that you're fighting in the games that you're playing it. I, I should say <laughs> more coffee. <laughs> Mornings are hard. Mornings are hard. Cavs's morning is more morning it's than our morning. Kind of bad for a lot of this. So it is. I don't know if, uh, Oh yeah. How's it back? Okay. We can hear you. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. We just want to... Um, we got you now. So, oh, so yeah. Everybody's frozen. Can oh, you no. guys hear me okay? Yes. We yes. can hear you. Yeah, you we can hear you. You frozen on our screens, but you're not now. Oh, I'm gone? No, you're you're there. No, we see you. 
Yeah. Uh, if you there's have probably, to, there's probably, there's probably a huge delay or Hodge Dixon's nerd. Yeah. If you have to turn the video off, Hodge, uh, it might uh, speed up your audio and keep everything up to to speed with us. I'm seeing again. <laughs> I'm seeing audio. I'm not hearing audio or anything. All right. So, Kaz, did you have any more on that? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to echo what uh, Vitalin said, that you should be looking to innovate. You should be looking at, at to see, like, what could I do that plays to my personal strengths that other people uh, have not done? Like, maybe you uh, pitched a lot when you were in high school for for whatever reason. You can say, and you're like, I'm going to, to throw spell balls the way I've seen nobody else do. So, yeah, play to your strengths. Yeah, uh, there's a couple people that uh, have come to Polaris that have been either college or like semi-pro pitchers of some kind. I remember one of the Wizards at a GAC was uh, she played softball in college and she was hitting people from 30 to 60 feet away while they were sprinting like super hard like without fail i don't think she missed more than twice all, Talk, all game talking about alicia yeah yeah uh, it's she's it, in my company <laughs> it's very hard to miss that level of skill with a ball if you're just like sprinting along and all of a sudden just it hits you like an arrow and you're like um i have uh, a story about her if, if, if you w would like me to indulge let's get haj's answer first and then we'll go into that story okay <laughs> So, Hodge, difference between a paragon okay? and a six. You guys hear me okay? Yes. Good. Uh, sorry, the internet seems like it's a little laggy, I guess. Um, so, a lot of things have been covered on previous episodes. I think what makes specific to wizards um, a paragon versus a level six would be your casting speed. So, if you can rattle off your spells really quick, if you're like know an automatic machine gun on that on those spells and then if you can your targets or multiple targets and finish one spell like you're gonna bluff something at somebody okay they're moving back like immediately you're, you're gonna start casting on somebody else just go 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 like fast 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 that's kind of what i had for for that one keeping up the speed the things that set you apart at least specifically for a wizard because a lot of things like we've talked about can cover all the classes very well right the wizard the wizards that got the the wizard and the bard i think have to have the best uh audio i don't know flexibility and and uh, ability to continue speaking at, for long periods of time and at high speeds because the um were you guys uh, able to understand me okay i'm not sure yeah. if my internet's working the best you're a little uh you're a little like robotic-y but not terrible um so we were able to hear you. okay that story let's go into the cabs you had this uh the story you were saying about alicia so there's a phoenix league match in the rising winds in ohio and um, in this particular match, they walled off, they like created two walls and, they, and having two walls in the center was usually like a, um, a common thing 
something to hide behind, you know. But this one, the walls actually extended to the borders, so it created like this little tunnel that is the only way that that you could go back and forth unless you were teleporting and stuff like that. Um, so we saw that my team and we happen to have Alicia with us and we're like, and we're like, we're going to bring Alicia into this game because that, that little tunnel, she can just, you know, completely pepper them with spell balls and everything like that. And, but, uh, because, because we didn't want her, cause she's really competitive. She, and she hadn't thrown in a while. We didn't want her to just like completely blow out her arm that day. We saved her into the final match and, because you because you can have alternates and stuff like that, so you can swap them out. And nobody knew on the other team that we're fighting about Alicia, about the legend of Alicia. Her her name is Eve, by the way, Evelyn. And so, except for one, and that was Juicy. And before the match started, like they're like, okay, so what's the strategy to Juicy? And Juicy looked at our team and he nodded and saw saw that we had Alicia and she he said, okay, so here's our strategy. We're going to be hit with spell balls all battle game. Um, nothing you can do about it. it's gonna suck, but that's pretty much what's gonna happen. That's the strategy. <laughs> and oh man, so, so the game started and she was just constantly this. She was playing Evoker Wizard. This person's Ice Ball. This person's Entangled. This person, you know, it, it was just constant. And I felt I, I felt bad for them, but um, they apparently were like super impressed. They're like, I have never seen anyone throw like that. And one of them, one of them was like, I heard about Alicia, but I thought it was only a legend. No. <laughs> so, um, the moral of the story is: when you're setting up a Phoenix League field, don't make a tunnel. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, especially if you've got someone that's able to, uh, probably throw most of her spell balls at decent MP, like decent miles per hour, and be extremely accurate with them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Causes a lot of change. We'll talk about spellball, uh, using spellballs better a little later. Um, so, our next question is: What are three things you wish you knew when you started playing uh, Wizard or started on your Paragon path? Let's start with uh, Broton on this one. Uh, three things I wish I knew when I started my Paragon path. Uh, how well Wizard synergizes with itself. And other classes uh, compared to other spellcasters. Like for a wizard, uh, Bard Bard was my main spellcaster. And like you just, as Bard, like 90% of your spells, if not 95, is command spells. So command is your bread and butter. Dropping into a uh, wizard was just like, just you have the whole book open to you. You have every school and just. The uh, versatility of it was just such an eye-opener. And it's like, I wish I had a little more of that concept going into it. Because it's like, I, I crutched really hard at the beginning there uh, with certain spells. And it's like, I took what I learned from Bard into Wizard. And it's like, nope, per lives. Per lives, the only way I'm going. This is what I'm doing. But Wizard has, number two, Wizard has some great per refresh uh, it's like uh, going from no dispel to 
you are the you are the dispel. You are the dispel person on your team, which I believe we'll cover later in yep. uh, another question. But how important dispel is as a job. And um, lastly, uh, cardio. Cardio is super important for a wizard. It's a uh, it's important for other casters, but uh, as a battle mage, you are moving nonstop. If you're not moving as a battle mage, you're not doing it right. You're also period. talking nonstop yeah. as a battle mage. Like, we've hit on it a couple times before, pretty much in every caster episode. You've got to be able to run and talk at the same time. Um, and, and I think this is the, the class that you really have to do that with. Like, bards to a point, but it's chanting is a little different than switching between spells on a very rapid basis while running after your target. Um, yeah, it's... If you're not working out your, you know, your vocal cords in your mouth and your body at the same time and playing as playing battle mage you're probably doing it wrong because unlimited ambulance is stupid powerful <laughs> um all right three things you wish you knew when you started Hodge. um <clears throat> i didn't quite get three things um you guys might inspire me to think of something else but a big thing um would be that Verbals are not great in very large battle games when you're on the front line. So they'll be fine when you're flanking or other things, but when you're on the front line, um, like the biggest teacher for me was at Bridge Wars, because it's that's basically like two front lines are clashing, and there's not much, you know, else on the field besides that, and. It's just really hard in all that motion to catch the verbals. And it doesn't mean that spell balls are necessarily the answer. Um, I think the answer with that is just keep saying your verbals. Don't get discouraged and try to like, just do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, verbals get uh, problematic at large fields. Uh I just spaced out for a second. Uh, I lost my <laughs> my train of thought exploded and got derailed. Uh, were those your your answers? <laughs> I've almost finished my first cup. Um, what was your answer for those, Hodge? Okay. Um, it's pretty much just uh, verbals, not very good for the front line in very large battle games. Yeah. Because the the flanks that work out really well, we've seen. Um, oh, they're, cause they're almost more skirmishy. They're, you know, five to 10 people fighting instead of 70 to 80 people, mm-hmm. which is, a... it's just like, imagine trying to make third on that, um, that front line at keep, like in the castle yeah. door, like you're just going to be heard, <laughs> you know, it's, I, it's I straight up stopped playing like, wizard for, for those keep games just because of how unaudible i am <laughs> i gotta say support bard is amazing for that because only people that have to hear you are right next to you so you're just like here's your confidence back here's your confidence back because you could yell it as loud as you want nobody within 50 feet can hear you because there's 30 people trying to ram themselves through a doorway that's meant for five and uh you're just 
handing out supports. Um, I don't think our game is ever going to have a good answer for the like audio problem when it comes to large battle games because it's it's a human problem instead of like a mechanic problem and at, at that point of that amount of chaos people are forgetting spell balls they're forgetting they're getting hit they're forgetting they are uh, they're missing that they have points of armor in some place they forget enchantment it's just too much for most people to handle and those that do remember are often uh following all these things along and then they get taken out very quickly because they realize they got hit with the heat weapon over there they realize that somebody else hit them with a shove and they're moving in and out of the fight where the people that are missing it are just causing chaos um i'm not saying this is a bad thing i'm just saying it's a problem that i don't think amp guards ever going to overcome because we have a, an amount of information we can hold in our brain and that information gets very easily overwhelmed when you put 200 people on a battlefield and tell them to scream at each other uh <laughs> we'll see if we come up with anything for v9 i don't know i'm i'm not confident that large battle games are going to change much in that sense but we'll see uh Three things you wish you knew, Kat. I have two things. Um, number one, uh, when I started, we were looking at the early release versions of V8. And this was when I was in FC and we were all like, this is my class. And the reason we said that is because we were looking at Battle Mage. So when V8 started, I was playing Battle Mage exclusively. And it was really powerful. I was doing really well with that. But I wish I could go back in time and tell myself. And I would say, Battle Mage is good. Don't get me wrong. Believe me, if you're taking if you take two ambulance and two extensions per life, that's more than enough meta magic to bring the pain. If you're creating off four verbals per life, you're still pr pretty good. But do not underestimate the power of spell balls, which you're giving up when you take battle mage. And I think unlimited ambulance is stupid powerful, but I think spell balls are even more stupid powerful. They add a layer to your offense. You can approach a situation with a spell ball already charged, throw it, and then let loose with ver verbals. It gives you more burst. And Ice Ball, I'm sitting this in the other, in the other um, Paragon classes, is the most powerful spell ball in the game. One of the most powerful offensive magics in the game. Um, be, being able to approach the situation and immediately freeze somebody for 60 seconds and then start letting loose with verbals, that, that's a game changer. Uh, number two, just because you're playing Evoker Wizard doesn't mean you have to use Elemental Barrage. Now, Elemental Barrage is awesome. But And this is going to sound weird, but sometimes a game, if you're in a position where you can constantly throw, it can be a marathon and not a race. Sometimes evoker and using elemental barrage means you're going hard for a couple of minutes and then you're finding and gathering your spell balls for 10. You might find it that you're, that you're providing more to your team um, by manually spell charging your spell balls and throwing them, giving a more constant slow level of offense but you're saving that elemental barrage for a hot moment where your team needs it. Yeah, so you're not saying don't take elemental barrage, but just don't always have it going because there are uses to not oh, have it. Oh, ab absolutely. Like, don't don't get evoker. Don't play a spell ball wizard and then don't take elemental barrage. That's silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but don't don't think that you have to have it on at all times. You like in the last bridge wars that we were on i took elemental barrage and i was a huge threat to the other team but i was mostly manually charging my spell balls and i only used popped elemental barrage a couple times when they broke through the line and i needed to bring the pain 
Gotcha. Okay, so using it more like a, a almost like a fight after death situation where when the need arises, you pop it, you deal some damage, and then once you're out of spell balls, you go fix it up. Yeah, and one of the big advantages I had with not using a little elemental barrage was pretty much everyone on my team took ice balls. So there was constantly ice balls littering the ground that I could pick up and throw. So it made it so, whereas if I was using a elemental barrage, I would throw my six ice balls and then I'd be out of ice balls until I finished the, the elemental barrage. And like I said, I can't stress it enough, especially if you're fighting in a bridge, which is like a tunnel fight. Ice ball is the most powerful spell ball. <laughs> you want to, you want that to be what, what you almost exclusively throw. Yeah, ice ball's got a uh, literally <laughs> stopping power times two, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, three things. Vitalin. Um, actually, first of all, I I, I dig what uh, what Cad said because uh, I think that also qualifies as a constructive spicy take for mm-hmm. the end segment of uh, being evoker, but don't be blasting spell balls every waking moment slow game um so i started in um i started in version seven so a lot of the things that um i wish i knew better about the wizard class in version seven uh didn't necessarily translate not everything translated over once we started hitting version eight so like something i wish i knew in version seven was like the relative power of wounding and hold person because those spells like came automatically ambulant mm-hmm. so you could just move and cast with them and then like other things were um there was no recharge mechanic in number seven so like you wanted to make sure that you used your spells before you died mm-hmm. so you would have this incentive to cast with reckless abandon just like get the spell off on somebody if you get a spell off on somebody you debuff them and that's better than just like trying to hold back and and not cast it and possibly wasted if you get taken out by a straight arrow. Mm. But some of the things that um, uh, I have that translate into um, version eight, I think pretty well, is um, first of all, uh, you are not playing your class alone. Um, And by that, I don't actually necessarily mean the teamwork uh, aspect that, you know, Amphgar battle games have, where it's the, what's one of the ways that I can synergize my class of somebody else or what are the ways that i can uh um you know excel at using my abilities or whatever uh you're not playing your class alone because there's other people oh no so uh, this spell looks cool to me on the list i want to use it but um uh, everyone tells me the suppression bolt spell sucks and i don't know if i should use it so you should be chatting with people so I think one of the things that I wish I knew um, uh, back in the day was just like don't just don't just look at your cool spell list and um, and just you know just I, do look at your cool spell list and like have fun and play around and be a wizard and enjoy your time. But if you want to uh, if you're if you're climbing up that the path for for Paragon, you gotta be talking to people. Go chat yeah. with people. Find out what other people's thoughts are. Um. Uh, another thing that I wish that I knew was I'm kind of rattling off extras because uh, I'm going to, you know, call the version seven ones bonus ones. Another thing that I wish that I knew was uh, the meta in version seven. And I think it's not as, I don't think it's as harsh in version eight, but um, the meta uh, in both version seven and a little bit in version eight 
around wizards is that um, such that there's there's things that this class can do that is so much better than what other classes that may have some overlapping abilities can do that um, once you put on that sash, people kind of have an expectation of you, even if you're not going for Paragon. So like one of the things I wish I knew was, um, you know, in version seven, they'd be like, dude, you gotta be grabbing, you gotta be grabbing these kill balls. You gotta be giving me these right enchantments. In version eight, it's less about giving me the right enchantments, and it's more about um, you. Be you didn't take dispel magic. Why are you playing wizard? <laughs> How dare you be on my team? <laughs> and you're like, I'm trying to be. I want to throw stuff. So, um, so there's an expectation. Players kind of expect things from you. Um, I'll, I'll leave off of that so that uh, Broton has a bit more space. And if uh, if uh, Hodge said that if he was in, uh, found something inspiring for uh, from us, that he'd pop back in. So, um, hope that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So three things. Did I already ask Broton? First. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. I forgot about Broton. Was I last then? Yeah, you no. were. Oh wait, yeah, you were. It's just a oh. lot of a lot of talking, a lot of stories this time. We have yeah. a lot of we have a lot of content here. All right. Um so we've got three. I mean, I can throw another one in. <laughs> you got you got another one that's important? Let's do it. I wrote like five things down on here. I was actually <laughs> I was impressed. Um yeah, so um one another thing that uh, another thing that um, some of this stuff sort of overlaps, but um, the um, we're going to be go probably going over this again when we hit further in the the thing for like things that make you vulnerable or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But the another cool. thing that uh, I wish that I knew is so you are not just like uh, kind of like an easy kill because you don't wear armor. Um, you are an easy kill because other players are actively told, hey, that's a wizard. You should make sure we get that guy because um, he's a priority target. And that's not even, that's not even, that's like almost universally true. Like even if you're not even a good wizard, you go into like a, a raid or a big battle game and there's strangers on the field, not necessarily everybody knows each other, and they're looking over there and they go, I've never met that person in my life before, I have no idea how well they play, but they're wearing yellow sash, and I know that we can make a difference if we kill the person wearing yellow sash. So they go around and they find their archers and they find their monks and they find their anybody who's got like a throwing weapon, <laughs> and they're like, hey, you wanna do me a favor? I want you to prioritize that guy. Um, so that's one of the other things that I wish that I knew is like, I'm not just vulnerable because like I'm a spellcaster and I only get certain equipment limitations. I'm also vulnerable, vulnerable because people are told they need to get me. <laughs> yeah. So. Can I say something in response to what Vitalin just said? Cause Please. this is important. Oh yeah. Okay. So what Vitalin just said about people going after the wizard is absolutely important. And I'm going to quote one of my favorite uh, wizards in in lore and in books, and that's Harry Dresden. Yeah. Sometimes when you have multiple problems, you actually have multiple solutions, meaning you can turn the problems against each other. And the problem of everybody going after you, you can totally use as your advantage. And I'll tell oh, you yeah. my, my favorite enchantment to to take as wizard is actually no enchantment. 
I want myself to look like a big, juicy target. I want people to come after me because if people are going after me, they're ignoring the rest of my team. So as a wizard, I always take two swifts and two teleports, and I try to get people to come after me. And <laughs> when they do, I, I get them out of position because um, wizard does have a bunch of, I, I'll call them indirect uh defensive abilities you can ice ball yourself you you can make it your you can swift teleport you can make it so you can't get hit not not necessarily armor um but wizard has a lot of ways to basically get out of bad situations so combine that with the fact that everyone's coming after you and you already have a recipe to to get the other team in a really huge disadvantage yeah uh it's interesting how this is one of the problems that I think a lot of amp guarders have is that they don't prioritize different targets and they don't prioritize what tarp going after that person does to the field. Like the warrior one, we talked about it. The healer, we talked about it. Um, this one, we're talking about it, getting people out of position and then punishing them for it is a huge thing that paragons understand and know how to utilize. And if you're not going for Paragon, you might not realize that that's literally something you can do. Um, our game is not just about our mechanics, but about the strategy and tactics you apply to our battlefields. And that's really what makes a good Paragon. A lot of Paragons, I think everyone besides, yeah, everyone besides me on this panel has more than one Paragon, right? <laughs> or Vitalin, uh, you've no. got Wizard right now? I'm only Wizard. I'm trying to get every Spellcaster. <laughs> me so, too, and, and I have one left. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but I know that all of us are going for additional uh, Paragons as well in this case. And it, it's a lot of that comes from we understand the game and you can take most of the information from any class and just kind of push it to the next class. And a lot of it still fits and works. So, going after one Paragon will inevitably get you to multiple Paragons if you learn how to branch off into those little sections. It's really, uh, it's really important to learn about more than just our game and learn about tactics and strategy because they make a huge difference. With that, what are common mistakes to avoid? Let's start with Hodge. Hodge, can you hear us still? Yeah. Um, can you guys see me? We can't see you, but we can hear you. Oh, okay. I just, uh, every time I have the video up, um everything seems to kind of crash you can turn the video off then we've got we i've got the screen set up so we can just see everyone who's talking so like your your little icon will show up anyways if that... and, and after and after editing the video america can probably just like photoshop like your best <laughs> pictures like or your good side in like every frame you put it right over the spot don't make more work that would be got... wonderful no <laughs> for listening purposes too like when i'm Listening, I don't. Oh, oh. Common, common mistakes. Yes. Correct. Yep. Oh, he froze. There we go. Okay. I think now we have no sound. Yeah, I think Hodge, leave the uh, leave the video off. I and think the video is just yeah. like taking you out. 
Okay. Uh, Haj, are you still with us, or did you disconnect again? The DC. For being the best, Discord really is the worst. It's a quote, yeah. Aiden, from the Archer episode. Um, all right, while Haj reconnects with us, let's start with Cads. What are some common mistakes you see? Um, avoid being selfish. Amp Guard is a team game. And yes, 95% of your spells are offensive, so... <laughs> You're going to look at that and be like, okay, I'm going to cowboy and just go and do my own thing. But you know what you also have? You have mend. You have release. And you're actually better at mending things than healers are. And you're probably going to take release and, and mend uh, just because, just for, be, for selfish purposes. What if my weapon gets destroyed? What if I get like stopped and I need to release myself? Mm -hmm. But those things can also be cast on your team members. And... I take release at least a couple, at least one or two releases per life that can be swifted, and I always take swift. And you can totally just release your own team members, and and it's really useful. Full like it can be make the difference between a a one encounter and a lost encounter. So, yeah, you're a caster. Support your team, even though you're spending most of your time. Uh, bring the pain to the, to the enemy, that little bit of support can make the difference. Definitely. Haj, you back with us? I'm going to take that as a no. All right. Uh, Broton, common mistakes. Common mistakes. Okay. Uh, know what your spells and their effects do. Because... <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, it's a little spicy <laughs> yes know what it does because there's nothing that makes me more frustrated when I have to explain what a spell does to the person casting the spell at me oh I've been there uh, I've, I've met too many people who think that phase bolt like destroys everything ever including like regular shields no. <laughs> I just hurts it's, my head. <laughs> I wish this wasn't a common mistake, but it's it's more me me not trying to be an elitist by saying players is the best, players is the best. Uh but it's like whenever I travel outside the kingdom and I like when I'm playing a class, I like I like mingling. I like talking to other people who play the class. That's how I learned to do different things because once you go out your bubble you learn different stuff because different environments have different metas but when i have to explain how spells work like the principle of the spell like uh when i'm frozen or no i was entangled i was held i was stopped someone cast shatter on me <laughs> And I was like, cool, cool using that spell. And he's like, you're dead. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then it became him yelling at me as I walk up to him, pull out a rule book, and like explain what the spell does. How dare you cheat by playing by the rules? <laughs> oh, then uh, he called over a reef because I moved, especially because I was dead. I want you off the field. Yeah. Oh my God. Tried to get me thrown off the field. Uh, so know your abilities or know your spells know the effects we as a wizard you have access to every status effect in the goddamn game 
<laughs> know what they do. And every offensive school. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's there's other mistakes, but that is there's two two other people need to talk. I mean, I can ramble on, but that's like my biggest pet peeve. No mistake. Know I see. Thyself. Yes. Know thy abilities. <laughs> I will make a tablet that says that, and I'll <laughs> just make that your spell book. <laughs> oh my god. No, I don't need to walk out with ten commandments. No, no, no. You just make uh, you just make a book, and then you put like the ten commandments of wizard, and then you write them down the front of it, and you, that's your commandment book, and you write your spells. My, my commandment is my book would just be uh, get good, be good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any more common mistakes, Brazan? That's I don't I don't want to take from other people. That's okay. that's fine. How's she back with us? I think so. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Yeah. Common Don't mistakes. Video. Leave the video. Hi. Yeah. Take take off your video. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? I'm gonna leave it just like this. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Common mistakes. Uh, I would say the biggest mistake I made in playing wizard was not getting magical armor every time. Um, <laughs> it just makes you almost like a different class. You're like so much more unstoppable if you can tank a hit like just that one because that's always what kills you is that one random surprise hit usually from an arrow usually from yolus at least in my case <laughs> um so yeah just not getting magical armor uh was always just a mistake um and then if you can't get magical armor you know just exposing yourself um like if you don't have magical armor, you might not want to be all by yourself. Stick with a shield buddy or something. Uh, stay behind people so that you can't get picked off randomly. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this is a different mistake, but if somebody doesn't take your verbal on the field, just verbal them again. Like, Or if you're able to get their attention and be like, oh, hey, I just verbaled you. But otherwise, like, just verbal them again and then verbal the person next to them and just keep going. Just go on and on and on. Get everybody with everything you can. Don't let that person who didn't hear you wrecking everyone else on their team. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's hard to cast something, especially one of the ones that if you have one of the spells that is a per refresh or something else that you really need it to get off. Um, and you really want, like, if you know you got it, it's really kind of annoying. You're like, I just missed my per game ability, essentially. But in some cases, maybe it's not worth uh, fighting with that person. No, I don't, do, I don't take it that way. So, like, if somebody doesn't hear my finger of death and they do not accept my finger of death, then I consider it I did not use that finger of death. I'm ah. going to yell finger of death at them. They take it. Use more than I have on, like, people who, you know, recognize it. Mm -hmm. Or, like, if they tell me, like, oh, I'm immune. It's like, great, that spell was consumed. Gotcha. But if they don't acknowledge it at all, I'm just going to yell it at them again. Or if I can, you know, quick get their attention, the better solution is then just, hey, Finger of death. I finger of death you. 
and most people are like okay cool mm-hmm. but um i i don't personally usually take something like that um that is a good point though about your refreshes if that happens to me though i just say it at them again gotcha so you're basically just reiterating it to them to say like hey i did this and i'm proving to you that i can pull this off uh that's a good way to think about it because you're not if you're doing it on the same person you're not really using it again you're just taking more time to say the same spell this is how i'm kind of reading it in effect i I would agree with that yeah um can i chime in on this yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so um the 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 waters between um whether or not you know making sure that somebody else takes your spell and whether or not you know you've used your spell appropriately appropriately and whatnot uh can get kind of um can get kind of muddy and um i think you know i, I think what Haj is saying is um don't necessarily it's it's not necessarily an instance of like don't let the player like ruin your game because you hyper focus on making sure that this person takes that spell. Uh, but what I think, I think Haj, I think what you're saying is that um, this battle game is running for a certain amount of time, and you can be more efficient with your time if instead of getting hyper focused on making sure that somebody took your spell, you can you can you can shotgun it, you can cast many spells on many people most of the time people are going to hear your spells you know unless we're at the gates of keep or whatever um but it's the it's the it's the notion that like i mean you don't you don't necessarily know the person that you tried to cast a spell at and they might not have heard you or maybe if they've got some kind of uh personal thing going on where you know just receiving spells is maybe harder it's not it's not really a good use of your time um to get bent out of shape over it unless it Unless that like individual is like a problem, then maybe take it to a reeve. But you've got you got all these spells. Don't worry about it. Like you want to hit, just get get that guy, and then the other one, and then the other one, and then the other one. You've got so many people that you can hit. Don't hyper focus on the person who didn't take the spell. Mm-hmm. Am I about on the, hitting the nail on the head there, or exactly? I think yeah. that was a, a to restate it as well. Yeah. Um, I came up with another. I think that was well stated i think yeah. another common mistake if you if uh i can bring yeah. that up yeah this is a discussion okay. let's go yeah. okay so some, sometimes suppose there's a there's a target on the team that you want to go for like a really good healer like raven um yeah <laughs> well, well i'm well, more thinking he doesn't play healer, but yeah yeah i'm more thinking of like um a support person that your that your job is to take out um now you don't want to get laser focused on that support person even though your goal is to take them out because that support person is probably going to be in the back and that support person is going to be in the back until they try to support the team so that leads up into this tip of like sometimes you can bait out the support person by just going for a random member of their team like that support person is going to be in the back until someone on their team gets injured or dead so you or frozen so one thing you can do is ice ball one of the warriors and and that'll bring the uh that'll bring the support person forward and then you can target the support person (laughs) and i've done that multiple times i'm not i've done that multiple times i've i've ice balled a warrior 
and looked at my and, and watched my target move forward into my range and then immediately break on them. <laughs> Vincent talked about the same thing. You leg someone and then bait the healer essentially. So they run up to heal him and then you shoot the healer and then just finish off the legged person. Just like yep. easy. And this makes you look really good and aware too. Like you ice ball somebody and the healer comes forward and then you break on the healer and follow it up with a spell. And it just look makes you look like this, like ridiculous offensive god <laughs> but that, that all comes back to the tactics and the strategy you understand that there is a push and pull and what the roles on the field are so if you see someone that is support and you make sure that they come to the front so you can target them you're, it's, yeah it's a bait you're you're batman <laughs> at that point <laughs> batman. Um, it works uh strategy tactics read art of war and the other like 60 books that help you learn strategy and tactics. I don't know them all, mm -hmm. um, but they help so much in every class. Like even if you're playing a full support, understanding the way the battlefield's moving so much easier to under to like help people move around the field and keep your team up and running when you know what is going to happen or kind of what's going to happen. Cause now you're not just like, well, the flank's falling. I don't know what to do. You now are like, Nope, yeah. flank's falling. We'll pull these three defense go over there. Blah, blah. I, learn tactics yeah um yeah i got lost who hasn't talked about common mistakes i think it's me and broton okay no broton was the first one again wasn't he there was no your spells it was the yeah, first commitment. yeah well uh hodge was first hodge was disconnecting then right. me, but yes okay so vitalis that might just be me <sighs> yeah um uh yeah so um common mistakes to avoid um there is so in a less general sense and more of like a very specific uh notion um you've got just some spells in your spell list that are pretty close to each other um and sometimes you can mix them up so for instance i know that there's a lot of the times um uh, I don't, I don't want to say whether or not it's, you know, newer wizards or, you know, whatever wizards, some people just kind of, it, it can happen to anybody. Uh, sometimes you kind of are casting like a flame spell and you're not sure if you should mention the element of flame or just flame. Um, so like pyrotechnics and heat weapons, sometimes you can kind of like, uh, spin those onto each other. Um, so try and like get that down and like, remember which one, which one is, gets the element, um, uh pro tip the the big powerful one fifth level you get the whole element <laughs> um but then like but that's not the only two like those ones are the ones that people hit the most because those spells are popular um and the other one is this usually has less of a problem but um planar grounding and dimensional rift can both kind of get flip-flopped with each other because uh dimensional rift most people like to grab because everybody loves to put somebody in a state and then immediately kill that person in that state um, so you see a lot of dimensional rift, which is, you know, the power that ether consumes the, um, but planar grounding, which is like the, you know, the, the training wheels version of, uh, dimensional rift, you get, you know, two levels earlier is, uh, my power closes the ether to you. So like, we're both invoking the power and we're both talking about the ether and it were both like involving an insubstantial spell and it's a per refresh spell and it's a sorcery school. And so um, that one's kind of easy to be like, sometimes you kind of forget it's like, 
Am I closing the ether to somebody or am I consuming them in the ether? <laughs> so that's a little tiny one. Um, those are the, I wrote that down like in five seconds last night because that's what I remembered. There's very well could be more on your list. Um, so like try to watch out for those. That, that reminds um, me. Um, suppose uh, your, your team's fighting another team and the you corner the assassin and the assassin's shadow steps, meaning that they're in an insubstantial can't move state. You can completely break that assassin's morale by walking up to that assassin, if you have the uh, abilities, and repeat after me. Ready? Swift, the power of the ether consumes the steel life dimensional rift. <laughs> it is one of the most hilarious things. You get your, you, you, and you, you, the, what you use in that is a swift and a steel life. And they're dead. <laughs> you get the dimensional rift back. And yeah, it's 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 the Shang Tsung uh, st Soul Steel fatality. You yeah. also um, <laughs> you use the you use the Swift, the Steel Life, the Dimensional Rift. You also use your cruelty muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so the downfall of that. Well, that's not really a downfall. You can still do it with a uh, a blinking uh, assassin as well. If they've mm -hmm. run out of no, their blinks and teleports and everything like that, and they're down to just but their blink, shadow step, blinking assassins can move, so you won't be able to. Yeah, run. yeah, you, you can't you can't use swift on blinking assassins. They can move. No, you can't do the swift, but you move. could you run around. I mean, if you're on a phoenix leaf field, it's not that big. You can yeah. probably catch them before they get out of range, especially if you corner them or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> just swift. Are you talking about trying? A strange spell, somebody who can run away from you? No, 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 no. Just using the full dimensional rift. Oh. Not swifting yeah. it, but just using the same thing. If you've gotten that assassin down past their blinks and their teleports and they're now just down to their shadow steps, then, yeah, the, the swift is probably your best answer because it's just a, you're done. Um, Honestly, if they're blinked, like, I'm just going to stand next to you for as long as I can. <laughs> like, if you and I can work in the same range, then... Well, you can't work at all, right? <laughs> going going back to the going back to the first question on the list, what makes the difference between a level six and a paragon is a paragon doesn't just know their stuff; they know everyone else's stuff too. Yeah, you're using oh, blink. I don't need a spell to deal with you. I'm just stand next to you. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll kind of say that like one of the big advantages of wizard is like uh like proton said your school um your you you have every state available in the game and this is useful when say fighting bards who are using song of freedom who are immune to certain states but you also have every school imaginable um you have death you have sorcery you have command <laughs> you have flame you know you have lightning bolt it's a flame stop effect it, it works on barbarians and given that, there's almost nothing in the game that can stand against you. You have something offensive against everything, including a warrior with pro, ma pro magic. It's going to take a few steps. You have to dispel that pro magic, and then you can hit them with something. Um, monks, you can hit them with heat weapon. Uh, so, like, one of the things that we discuss as a weakness to bards is the paladin, because they're immune to command and death. Like, you know, you they're immune to your terror, they're immune to all your command spells, and that sucks. Wizard, oh, lightning bolt, you know, <laughs> so, or icy blast. 
you you have a versatile offense that's probably one of your main advantages to Wizards. So don't forget, don't neglect that. Look, just look at every person on the field um, when you're in a game. You can be like, I can eventually affect that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, until so you take Warlock. Until <laughs> so you take Warlock. Yeah, Warlock in my opinion. Is a, Warlock in my opinion is a meme spec. It's fun, common, but it's common not mistake to avoid Warlock as a, as a whole. <laughs> I mean, if you take Warlock, Anti-Paladin literally ignores you. Like, yeah. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. Unless they pro-mag themselves, then they ignore all of you, and you can't dispel them. <laughs> you can't take it. Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. Warlock's a lot of fun, but yes. like I said, it's more of a meme spec than an have? effective spec. It's, <laughs> it's very, 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 very spe- – I mean, it literally takes your, your school range from everything besides protection – to uh two don't get me wrong eight fingers of death and four steel life essences you know four four steel life essences per life that's pretty cool yeah but you get (laughs) what four five uh four finger to death without warlock and then still have a dmag six Six. and then still have a dmag like yeah, 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 yeah. This this conversation at post a Phoenix League match it might, may or may not have ha- may or may not have happened. Cats, how did you get six fingers of death? Like you, you had no, you didn't take Battle Mage, but you, no, you didn't take. Did you just buy six fingers of death? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I straight up, I straight <laughs> up ignored level six and put them all into the finger of death. Yeah, Warlock is the worst way to get finger of death. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, six. You gotta look the part. Six is a lot. Six is six kills, and in a in a Phoenix Max game, six kills is a lot. Really, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I actually, I actually do have, uh, I actually do have a few more common mistakes. Go for it. I, I feel us kind of moving towards that next question, mm-hmm. but I only got, I only got the mostly the one thing in there. Um, uh, another common mistake is uh, so I I fe- something that I kind of notice is uh, a lot of people when they uh, take up wizard they're kind of inspired by the uh, they're kind of power hungry they're inspired by the fact that they're like yeah you're the class that destroys things so like you got these spell balls and you got you know all these spells that put people into states and you got kill combos oh my god the kill combos don't you just love the kill combos you put somebody into a thing and then you just destroy them right away and um, one of the things that I would I would uh, I would advise people to uh, not get uh, tripped up in is that uh, like kill combos are fun. Don't get me wrong. And ultimately, if you are building a spell list that is more fun for you, uh, your fun is what matters uh, more than anything. Have have fun with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if uh, if you want to like really put that impact in the field, um, simply putting somebody in a state and then immediately killing them afterwards with the appropriate kill combo spell is going to do, more often than not, less work than putting that person into a state and picking a new target. Time to put mm-hmm. somebody else in a state. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Cad said himself, like, ice ball, especially in hallways. Just keep <laughs> Freeze them all. Get all of them. Ice oh, blast all of them. Get everyone. Yeah, I've said that before. Is that the kill combos are kind of a trap? Um, yeah, I re- I rarely take them. Uh, the only time I take them is if you're in a specific game where kills matter. Yeah. Um, but other other than that, uh, I I I can probably 
I, I can't say I can count on I can count on my hand. I've, t- I've taken it more than that, but I rarely take shatter. Um, I usually like because, like Vitalin said, if it's more use of your time, and if you after you freeze a target instead of killing that target, leave them frozen. They're fr- if you get them with an ice ball, they're frozen for sixty seconds. That's often a fate. Unfortunately, for, for a lot of our game designers, that's often a fate worse than death. And if they if they don't want to be frozen for sixty seconds, they'll take the death anyways. Yeah, mm-hmm. you already killed them. Half <laughs> the spells. Yeah, so use your time and your resources to free someone else. Right. I mean, it's a flaw in our uh, game design culture at the moment that we don't modify CC to match or be lesser than death at the moment. Um, because in in some some games yes in some (laughs) games not every game but in some games some people think that you can't right Uh, that's something that's something i think we can help with is if you're not super relevant to uh to the to the paragon path episode but like if you're a game designer you design the game uh (laughs) don't don't ruin the game for people but if your game doesn't work unless you say like hey the death count is really really low so crowd control effects now have the exact same or even more impact than dying. Mm-hmm. Then, um, like, there's people who say, well, that's bad game design. But there's people who are like, no, we'd like to be able to have our players keep playing. So we have the death count low. Well, um, you might notice that some classes are way better because they've got way more access to crowd control spells than just, like, mm-hmm. instant kill effects. So then suddenly you're skewing the power level of these classes just by having a low death count. If you're a game designer... You can just say, like, oh, dude, spell balls, half count. They're only 30 seconds this game. And most of the time, people won't complain about it because 30 seconds is still good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it gets it gets a little murky if you decide to say, like, hey, we're, like, half counting or reducing by 10 seconds, like, the verbals, because then people are like, hold on now. I don't know if I want to spend spell points on something for this, but, I mean, you can play around with that. People, you know, people will find what works for their parks or what works for their games or their comfort zone and whatnot. And sometimes people will be like, look, if I don't like spending my spells on, on these spells or whatever, there's, if you're, if you're a wizard, there's a plenty of other spells. <laughs> so. Yeah. It, it's, it, that's game a, design that's a game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other common mistakes to avoid by talent? Um, I got more, but in the interest of our other questions, I'm ready to move on. I can weave some of those ones in later. All right, so uh, where does wizard fit on the battlefield, roles, positioning, meta? Um, does it change with size of field at all? Like we saw with Barbarian that changing the size of the field didn't change their uh, placement very much. It still kind of stayed the same, but with healer, it drastically changed. Does that happen with wizard? Let's start with Kaz. Uh, yes, I would say it does. It does change. Um, it actually kind of changes what their optimal build is. I would say, uh, to, like, suppose you're fighting, like I said, in a tunnel, you almost always want to take uh, lots of spell balls, even if you don't take a voker. Like I said before, you know, you, you you don't you might not necessarily want to keep the elemental barrage up, but you do want to take a lot of a lot of magic balls. And as it's been pointed out, uh, the bigger the field gets, and I'll just say the more chaotic the field gets, it could be a small field, but it has a ton of people, like 10 people in a, like compacted in an area, the less powerful verbals get. And the more you kind of have to rely on your magic balls. But 
Um, and as the field gets bigger and as you, you can get into more small team skirmishes, the more powerful your verbals get. Um, and there's also the fact that, you know, wizards don't have shields and they don't have a lot of protective stuff. So the smaller field gets, the less they can run around a lot and, and avoid things that way. So you kind of, the small, the more compact, you know, the players on your team are versus the players on the other team the more you want to stay with your team and hide behind the warrior instead of going out cow cowboying and trying to, and trying to lure people to you uh, because there's just not a lot of mo room to move. So yeah, I would say the role of the wizard changes drastically when it comes to the field. It's a lot like healer. Cool. Uh, Hodge, same question. Um, well, yes, it does change uh, depending on the size of the field. Um, but I feel like it doesn't have to. And that's something that's kind of that I like about it. Um, whereas I feel like with healer, there's a lot more pressure. Like you, you can or you can't play certain types of healer um, due to the size of the game. But with wizard, I mean, you, you can still do this. Um, so I usually like to play battle mage and you can play battle mage on a small or a large game. Uh, the way that I personally like to play, I like to be like a hunter. Like, I usually pick somebody on the other team, and I just go and hunt them. Um, especially in, like, Inner Kingdom games, I just, like, find the person who I think is, like, a really big threat, and I just make it so they don't get to play. Um... <laughs> Just end yeah. the sentence there. <laughs> yeah. Make it so they don't get to play. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember this one time. Um, I was just wandering, and I found Tisco, and uh, he's a decently well-known fighter. Um, uh, so if you don't know Tisco, he's pretty good. Um, he had a big old pole arm, and he was trying to be on the front line, and he was a monk. And I was like, you know what, Tisco? You can't do that. <laughs> so I just sat there and cast heat weapon on him. And all I did was like, even if I just got his attention, I would yell, Hey, Tisco. And at a certain point, he was just throwing the pole arm when he saw that I could see him. I um, mean, that's like casting a spell without casting a spell. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Which is also something we can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> That's, oh oh, uh, tactics. That's, there's somewhere in there for like suggested tips and tactics. I mean, we're going to have a future episode. Yeah. I think I'm going to stick it with the Paragon Path series, but like just tips and tricks for casting and like verbals in general, because there's a bunch of weird stuff you can pull off without ever casting. And it's just all mental game on the oh, opponents. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't you don't want to like like we said said before. There's there's a fine line between that and and actually cheating. You don't want to like you know cast a spell that doesn't exist or cast yeah. a spell that you don't have. But if you like you know go through the body language of casting a spell, you can get people to run with it from you without even opening your mouth. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, wizard on the. On the battlefield, I really like to play like a roaming, like like I'm like a bounty hunter or like a Sith Lord. 
and I'm just out there killing people, and it feels wonderful. I just pick my target, and I go and get them, and then next one, and next one, and next one. Um, but you can also just play on the front line and support people. Uh, I have a list that I built specifically so you can stay with a six-point warrior. Uh, your objective is to just mend them. Uh, you can suppress other casters that are aggroing them. Um, and you can release them and their equipment as well. Yeah, so never... it all really just depends on what you want to do. Right. I mean, that's one of the benefits of casters is that it doesn't really matter. I mean, it kind of matters which class you pick, but for the most part, most class, most caster classes can go anywhere on the field that they want. I mean, wizard doesn't do as well as a support, but they can still do it. Uh, you know. Well, yeah. Um, to my point, like a very small game is going to be absolutely dominated by a control-based bard. Mm -hmm. But in a small game, I mean, you can play evoker wizard, you can play battle mage wizard, you can play support wizard. I feel like any of those are equally as valid. Yeah. There's there's options for everything. Um, it's uh, it's really terrifying the effect on a small field if you just have a pocket wizard for a warrior because greater mend is amazing for for six point warriors like they could be a level one warrior with just scavenge and six points and just they're spadoinkle dude to be clear yeah. are you talking word of mending or yeah. greater mend? both so i got the opportunity yeah. to play a weird class in a quest called uh the the eldritch knight and i was a third level wizard and a third level warrior and i had greater mend swift self basically is what i just turned my entire list into Ooh. you're and a third level cheating you the swifts <laughs> maybe i didn't have a swift i had to cast the whole thing either way i was cast basically running around in six points of armor i had uh balder my best friend's armor on and holy crap like oh yeah you're just like people are like point you're down to like three or two points in your chest or whatever you run away for a little bit cast greater mend and you're just like oh cool chest is back up to full my arms are at eh, doesn't matter scavenge like it's amazing it's great. Uh, don't <laughs> underestimate greater mend, especially in like clutch situations. Uh, Spadoinkle is definitely and better, mend. but uh, I don't like greater mend. No? I underestimate. Nope. I would rather give you <clears throat> one point in every location. Like if you're down everywhere, just give you one everywhere, and then Spadoinkle. All good. I can say from experience that from when I'm playing combat bard with men's that if I have, you know, if I ha have two points of armor and five men's, that means I have seven points of armor in a location. <laughs> there, there's, there's definitely a, a tactic and like the math you have to do in your head is, is this spell worth it? Cause I think greater men always comes at per refresh, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. you've got to do that math a little bit to figure out if it's worth it or not. But like, mend plus having armor is ridiculous mend plus being able to give to people especially swift mending i mean yeah you you have reactive armor like if, <laughs> if you think about it this way and this this does work for wizard too because you know you can buy mend and you can have magic armor is that um suppose you have armor and i and i go and i fight somebody without armor they hit me you know twice and but i kill them I meant I, I cast two men's. 
Now I'm back up to full. So you're using your men's to kill people. Mm -hmm. And unlike taking more armor, like four points of armor, um, it's pretty much the same effect is that you're losing armor as you're going out and fighting, but as you're mending it, um, it's, it's like I said, it's the same effect as having more armor. It's just, you, you know, you're re, you're repairing it. It's reactive armor. Mm -hmm. So yeah, don't underestimate men's and armor. It's a really ridiculous combo, probably more ridiculous than a lot of people think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've definitely played warrior with magic armor. Actually, I don't think it is more ridiculous than most people think because most people actually think that they, uh, most people realize how good like magic armor is. <laughs> yeah. Is um, actually I don't know if, if here is the best place to say it or later in the segment, but actually I think the reason why um, greater mend is uh, not as popular or that you know America saying don't underestimate greater mend is that. Um, our um, our meta is largely dominated by magic armor as opposed to regular armor. And you might be thinking to yourself that, well, what's that? They meant they, you fix them just the same. Why, why would there be a difference between physical and magic armor? And um, the, the difference is like, look, I can spend one spell to put six points back in a, in a warrior's torso. Whereas if I'm using regular men, I get a six men's just for the torso. Mm -hmm. At that point, my return on investment for the spell point, you know, unless I get a bard refreshing my per life, you know, uses or whatever with a refreshment or something, the return on investment for like per, you know, spell point per impact on the player that I'm supporting is just better suited to just grab Spinoinkle and get all of his, you know, get all of the person's limbs or just spend the one spell point to greater mend that section. Mm -hmm. But like the, I think that the, I think that the math is good if we had more warriors. And if we had, if more of our barbarians were actually wearing their three points, and if we, and if people actually played the scout class and they were wearing three points, and um, you know, and if there was, if there was more paladins and anti-paladins, and if the paladins and anti-paladins that were there were wearing four points, I think that greater men would see more use. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would be like primary top tier meta, but right now you only have like two points of armor, so sometimes just putting one mend on one torso point is just good yeah you don't want to waste a whole per refresh just to get two points back right here yeah so um, i mean it's definitely something to think about is the math behind how much you're actually getting out of it like for, for yeah. the the weird eldritch knight class i was playing it made a lot of sense i had i think i technically only had five points but at five points single location all back up that's a that's a nice investment but for a two-pointer yeah mm-hmm yeah so, uh, I, so I, re I refute Kaz's point. People do know how ridiculous magic armor is. <laughs> they know exactly how ridiculous they are. They may not consciously but, know. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, if, if, but if you think about it, men's plus armor means that the only way you can actually die is if you get overwhelmed and a bunch of people and a bunch of people yeah. beat you. So the the more aware that you are and the more uh, versed in combat tactics you are so that you can get, and Wizard and, and Bard are both very good at getting pe at singling out people because- Oh, he did it again. <laughs> so you're less apt to get overwhelmed as playing playing a CC class. Yes. You good, Merrick? Yeah, my... I got scared. We lost the hope. <laughs> yeah, my Discord is not cooperating. 
If, if he disconnects, just keep talking. He has a different audio recorder. We learned this oh, last okay, week. Cool. Perfect. So, so hold on, hold on. Pause what you're saying until I get back in. No, just keep going. It's Merrick's fault for not being here. <laughs> I need a better computer. I'm working on that. Um, That's right. <clears throat> you're pressuring me to get a better computer. All right, I've got things. Hey, just... you pressure me to get a camera. <laughs> cameras are cheaper. Well, okay, some video cameras are cheaper than cam- than new computers. I don't know. Um, I lost my train of thought. Okay. Uh, where the wizard fits on the battlefield, Broton. Oh, okay. My turn? Yes. Cool. Um, all right. Where does the wizard fit on the battlefield? Role, position, meta. Uh, size of the battlefield. Does it change it? No. Uh, I personally think wizard is so versatile in what wizard can do like the majority of spellcasters but wizard you can fill the majority of roles wherever your team needs you does your team need you to go shit on someone boom (laughs) you can go do that it's like there's that one warrior on their team that's that's your job make sure that warrior does not want to play oh god (laughs) cool you need to come out there as a gatling gun and just like fire off like 20 spells within like like two minutes cool you can do that uh there's a lot of spellcasters on the other team cool you are the break con and the spell magic king it's like you could do whatever it is and it from the small park field cool you can do that uh big kingdom battles cool you can do that there too uh it's just just varies on how many people are on the field to be honest so i mean it's, uh it's... roles yeah. yeah like cover the roles positioning i mean i like to play a flanking wizard because i love throwing spells from the side i mean gotta throw that shade somehow so <laughs> yeah and... uh metas uh since this isn't anywhere other ones. Yeah, meta. Great uh, con. Great con's all day. That is my shotgun spell right there. I mean, not really because wounding is my shotgun spell, but uh, there's nothing like, uh, especially like a bard or someone who else is out there who's trying to rattle stuff out or someone's uh, someone's healing. You don't want them to heal. You break that. Break their concentration. Nothing's demoralizing. Like you, someone's like, I'm going to sneak up here and heal this person, and you just shut them down. Uh, at uh, GAC one year, I was uh, fighting uh, a warrior, and a uh, a scout was trying to come up and heal them because I blocked the warrior's leg because I didn't want to deal with six point armor warrior. So I just wounded him. And the scout came over, so I cut off her leg. So she had to choose between healing herself or the warrior. And every time she started to side, I broke con. Then I would shove her away. And I'm like, nope, this is how the field's going today, guys. I mean, so, break con per life is, uh, or not, is it? It's, it's good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like the fact that Bard gets it per refresh and then Wizard turns around and is like, oh, you only have six of those total? Oh, that's cute. And then just like keeps shooting them off every 30 seconds because they have essentially infinite of them because they're per life. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, like my first my first Phoenix League build for Wizard had five break cons. I've shortened the, the amount of them, but I still it's still a core spell in my in my uh, in my arsenal. It's ten seconds. It's per life. It's it's a quick. It's the fastest incant I think in our game possible. Besides, like swift force bolt, technically I guess would be faster. But that's about. It. <laughs> yeah. Them spells or abilities because I know that tracking is pretty uh, high up there, but. Steel life is two syllables. It's true. <laughs> it's just such a quick. If you want to get into the weeds, but it's just it's just a fast spell. It's the fastest ranged verbal. Like yeah, I mean it's ten seconds. Ten seconds is not very long, but it doesn't have to be very long. It's literally just stop talking. Very yeah. long, not the cast. Ten seconds is if you're if you're in uh, if you're in combat and a, and a team is rushing you down. Oh, ten yeah. seconds is an eternity. Yeah. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well that and a lot of people don't know what 10 second is no mm -hmm. we have a there's, there's so many times i've had that on people and it's like i'm counting in my head because that's what you do because mm -hmm. i'm i have my next one ready in the chamber and i'm just like it's been 20 seconds why aren't they doing anything <laughs> i don't know people we got to get better at counting seconds because it's either a way too long like barbarian will have like a 14 second fight after death or they'll run through it in in three seconds because they're just yelling speed counting to seven um, like, both both cases are bad yeah one you tell them they're bad and you're not going to take it <laughs> another one it's like they kill themselves they should get good yep yeah. what i'm hearing right now is broton got paragon because his verbals last twice as long as every other wizard <laughs> like, that's a potent wizard right there yeah People it's just i use i use metamet my oh wait yeah i use my meta magic for that i'm actually a sorcerer so yeah drop my sorcerer points extend um. spell <laughs> right town where's the wizard fit on the battlefield roles positioning meta size of field changes yeah um so i don't know if i want to answer size of field changes first or roles on the battlefield but I, th I think i'll i think i'll hit roles um so uh places that you can jump around on the battlefield um they can go uh roughly pretty much everywhere that most casters can go um which is a fairly large number of places um the typically my favorite place to be as a caster is i like to be um in the like main bulk force where your front lines are and whatnot i like to be like the second or third row in so that i have a whole lot of uh you know bodies of my friends to keep me safe from you know random stuff that's thrown and maybe people won't see me to cast magic at me if i can just kind of sort of blend in with my people or whatever um but then i'm also very close to the enemy targets all the time and i can just hit as many different people as i want um Technically, uh, support wizards are not as common, uh, but you, like, I mean, we've established wizard has better mens than healer. Everyone goes to healer to get patched up. Um, Bard has only regular mens. Druid has the same mens that, that wizard does. They've got greater mend, and they've got word of mending as well. But it's like, between the four casters, uh, everyone's everyone says that, like, well, wizard's not a support caster. It's like, well, we got the best mens. If you're playing in a battle game large enough that has people wearing actual like big points of armor, you can go in that direction. Um, yeah. So you can, so you, if you want, you can kind of sit in the back a little bit. You can take, you can take men's. You can have some releases if you want to run up front, help your people out there. Or um, 
as uh, one of my favorite things to point out is people don't really think about wizards for enchantments, but people do think about the enchantment uh, Void Touched. People love that enchantment, so take that, give that out to people. Um, but what people, but the enchantment that people don't think about is Contagion. Oh, yes. And people don't want Contagion because it makes them fragile. But if they're wearing armor, you say, yeah, you do. You want Contagion. Put this Contagion on. You swing for wounds kill. You don't need to find a druid to swing for wounds kill. If I'm here, you can do it too. And I can buy a lot of these. I can have like 11 of them if I want. Um, you know, assuming I look the part, you know, give me a, give me a, you know, a Nuncia staff. I can get 13, whatever. <laughs> um, so it's it's possible to play a sort of support wizard where you stay back, buff your people, combos well with some spell balls, some spell balls have unlimited use, so like you're gonna run out of your enchantments, and then you grab spell balls and you run up and you start throwing things. The flanks, um, when you're playing like an evoker or a battle mage, uh, because you can run around a whole lot, um, you can sort of use that that big threat that you have that uh, we mentioned earlier, um, where Cad's Cabs mentioned he loves it when a bunch of people want to take him out. <laughs> um, and you can use that to your advantage. If you are out on the flanks of a battlefield, people are like, dude, that's a wizard. Uh, we don't, like, he can't really rush into us. He's not going to, like, take our flank. Let's go out and let's go get him. He's not wearing armor. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, come out towards me. And I will draw you away from your team, remove you with a spell, and then I'll just walk right back in because I'm a battle mage. I can cast while moving. I'm an evoker. I can cast while moving. So um, that's fun. Um, achievement unlocked, by the way. I have been on the subject of a... I, I was told I was the subject of a fighting company meeting at one point where we were having a problem with CADs. What can we do about them? And the solution was to put a lot more people on me. Yeah. Which, which <laughs> they ignored the rest of my team. <laughs> oh, that's and the rest of my team was stack deck so yeah <laughs> um so the uh so in terms of does your does does what you do change uh based on the size of the game i would say that your role doesn't necessarily change based on the size of the game but the style in how you perform that role uh can so, for instance, if you're playing in a very small battle game, there's not a whole lot of humans. Um, and so, uh, Hodge said that what you know what he likes to do is you know he likes to hunt people. Pick one, pick one unfortunate person and just be a bully to them. Um, that's easier to do in a smaller battle game. If you've got a really really big battle game, and you want to play that style, it's it's possible, but it's harder, um, especially if the other person knows what they're doing that you're bullying. Is they can be like, well. I got a whole lot of friends. If I can just get further behind and stand back at the at the back line of uh, of of like the large wad, the front line and whatnot, I'm a little bit more safe from this guy who's trying to follow me around all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to play the sort of speedy run around wizards in a smaller battle game, um, if you if, if it's a small number of players but the field is still large. If you're playing like a battle major and evoker, you're not you're no longer constricted to the flanks. You can kind of run around everywhere. <laughs> um, if the field is large enough, but the battle game is small enough. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing, your role of just like destroy the enemy team, um, hamper them, put debuffs on them, put them in states and whatnot, that 
doesn't really change. You're that's still your job. That's what you're doing, and you're having fun doing it. Yeah. So, um, I think my favorite sell on Contagion, going back to that point a little bit, to the Warriors is now you're immune to wounding because you're already fragile. No, no, no. Sorry, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. No, that does work. That kills them. You're immune to being stuck and wounded. That's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. they're, they're you're like, immune to being legged. Yeah, so they're like, oh, I died. You're like, I don't care. You're persistent anymore. Yeah, that's great. So you can't get stuck. So, by the way, that's I. I always consider, unless the warrior's pro magged, of course, that wounding is the best spell to cast on warriors because if yeah. if you if you think like finger of death, for example, is less effective on warriors because they can immediately you know true grit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you stop them or you freeze them then they they can shake it off and and it's less effective on them if you wound them they need a healer or they're screwed a legged mm-hmm. warrior yeah <laughs> yeah and then if they're wearing armor and they have to go down on their knees like where yeah. the and then they gotta get back up when they get healed <laughs> i would honestly just so, post as a warrior like you've got points would, on that I, leg that's what i do i post and i just shout for people to come to me armor is heavy it hurts my knees <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've kind of moved into that next question the uh, the recommended tactics target acquisition things like that so uh wounding we've mentioned on things with armor because you're not you don't want to go through all that armor like why why go through the crab shell when you can just like kill it from the inside yeah um are there any other like target acquisitions that are uh either offensively or defensively are there are there specific people you are looking for for your enchantments or is it better to just kind of let them come to you um let's start with Haj on this one can you hear us Haj? enchantments specifically any any offense yeah. or defensively yeah any offense or defense target acquisition So not necessarily enchantments, just no. But but like yeah. your men's, your greater men's, your your word of mending, your and you can hear me all right. Yes. Well, I think so. If you're talking now, we can't. Maybe you can't hear him um, all right. So I, I'm not sure if you can hear me or not. We can right now. Get started. Uh, okay, great. Um, so yeah, I don't generally. Um, even though you said it's it's more than just enchantments, I would like to say I don't usually do that. But if I did, I would um, do both. You find people like the people who are going to ask you for them are probably people who know how to use them and who are going to remember to use them. Um, but you can use some of your knowledge as well, as Vitalin was saying. Uh, you know, put that contagion on a warrior. Absolutely, you can seek that person out, and that's definitely the person for it um or whoever with armor uh so the way i acquire targets on a small field offensively which is generally how i do it i play battle mage um so thinking at local park level i want to take out the person who can get to me the fastest which is the tallest person which uh that person also happens to want to get to me because he knows he he can and that'll shut me down um so i like him right away because he's a barbarian usually Mm -hmm. um and then 
you just kind of go to the next the next biggest threat and uh you know you have to stay mobile like i usually try to keep that archer's bow but honestly like he gets me so often so that's kind of just uh if i get it but if i'm on a bigger field i kind of have been watching hopefully for who's a good caster otherwise i just sort of like walk or teleport back there um and you just have to like have confidence you totally just go on the back line and you find whoever's gonna mess with you and you just absolutely destroy them um my favorite i mean you just have to hit them with that break concentration as they're trying to cast you and then they just get in shock and be like, oh my god. And then it's like, you're already legging them. And they're like, no, no. And then, so this is my preferred combo. Uh, break concentration if you need it. Then hold person or wounding, whichever one works. So hold person doesn't work on a barbarian, but wounding does. So you go with that. Mm-hmm. Now they will choose. They either have to choose to be posting go down on their knee so they've made that choice great now you begin heating their weapon what most people will do after their weapon is heated is they will drop it on the ground uh you because they're not allowed to wield it and a lot of people don't recognize the difference between wheel and carry now they've chosen posting or standing they've chosen to likely drop their sword now you shove them 20 feet back away from their weapon and if they're posting, they're just kind of stuck without their sword. And if they're on their knees, they can, well, they can crawl back to it, I guess. I like to try to get that on as many people as I can. And honestly, you don't need to get any number of the pieces in, concess- in like consecutively. You can just heat this guy's sword. You can just heat that or just cut that person's leg off. Just stop this person. And it's wonderful just being on the back line, kind of doing those things. But when you get all of them, it's it's devastating, even though it doesn't kill them. And it's way less efficient than just finger of death. But I, I remember a long time uh, you and I were talking about this particular um, uh, chain of spells. And it's one of the things that uh, I like to mention when, uh, Hajj, I invoke you as a... Here's an example of another Paragon wizard. Um, and going back to the first question, when we talk about, I mentioned that like a signature is something that kind of makes a paragon, like what makes this person stand out or unique to other people. And I tell people that, Hey, do y'all hear about this guy, Hodge? He's got this combo of spells that he does. That's like the meanest thing. (laughs) And he just, and he finds the most, the, the cruelest way to cast spells at you. And it doesn't even kill you. (laughs) You have to sit there and wallow in it. <laughs> I mean, if if they have answers or they're using yeah. team agency, where and I remember you, know, you told yeah, me once yeah. too, like that I that I say the cruelly. <laughs> I say mm. this <laughs> cast cruelly, but it's a. I mean, it's a. I feel like that combination of spells is less mean than just like ice balling everyone because. Everyone really hates ice ball and they hate yeah. being frozen. Cause you can't do anything. At least if they're, you know, their weapons heated, they're legged and they're pushed away. They still can kind of do something. Um, 
and depending on what class they are, they can't for help. Yeah, um, you can't shout for help if you get ice balled. Right. So I feel like it's mean, but less mean than just the like ice ball and then wait to the fifty eighth second before you shatter them, because now you're wasting so much more of their time than just like all right, go over there. Your sword's over here. Um, also, people have gotta stop dropping weapons with heat weapon. Like, just put it in a different hand. Put it on your belt, whatever, or hand it to somebody that's pro flame. Like, just hold on to it. But just and throw this. We'll throw this into the, one of the V nine suggestions. We'll let them know, like, hey, change to heat weapon. Make it to where instead of <laughs> instead of not able to wield the weapon, uh, just make it to where the player's weapon cannot deal wounds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, well, that allows them to block and defend themselves a little bit. But e either way, it's... I think a b big reason that the spell is called Heat Weapon, you know, <laughs> if it was called like Phase Weapon or something like that, where cool. it, like the weapon went out of phase, then, but, but like, it's a role play thing, kind of. Like, mm -hmm. if your weapon's heated, you, you want to drop it. It's hot. <laughs> yeah, the right yeah. sword. I command your weapon to retreat into the ether. I command your weapon to retreat into the ether. <laughs> Yeah, I like the idea of that because then you're like your sword is insubstantial, so you can't interact with it unless you're also become insubstantial. <laughs> you're like, oh, but then you can the all, all you can really do is mend it. Right, you step into the shadows and you sit there. All you could release it. That's that is true. something you people forget about as well. That's still a, that's a thing you can do. Right, people yeah. forget about that. They're like people ongoing effects. That. And, or and they think you can mend heat weapon, but you can't can't mend heat weapon. It's not broken; it's just hot. <laughs> just mm -hmm. make it make it cold. Um. All right. Uh, recommended tactics, target acquisition, Broton. Uh, all right. Uh, recommended tactics. Uh, once again, I'm just going to go. It's whatever your team needs. Uh, I mean, that's like my prime source, unless if I'm told to do whatever whatever I want, then I'm going to talk about what I want to do when I have free reign. Uh, free reign is depends on my mood for the day. Either I pick, uh, like, Hodge, I'll find the most, like, biggest target on the field, and then they are my target. Or uh, uh, if I'm feeling like I want to test myself, I will pick out uh, five different targets and try to handle five people at once because usually I will look for the fighting company that's out there which is usually a dead giveaway when they're all wearing like the same tunic uh, and try to handle on something I should not be able to handle because uh, it just makes you think faster and how to like capitalize on spells differently um, I mean a good rule of thumb like if you just want to talk generic acquisition uh kill the sport once you kill the sport on the other team the team crumbles uh as a wizard we talked about just wounding uh the six point warrior uh actually any of our condition spells on a warrior is a fun day for a wizard because we are literally built to stop warriors yes <laughs> so uh, if you want an easy target, just fight a warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Find the warrior. Hit it with spell balls. Hit it with something. Hit it with spells. Things. It's uh. So I've been told that this is wrong, but in V seven, people thought that barbarian was the counter to warrior, and I think 
that's less true. Um, and in V8, it's especially not true. Like, the counter to Warrior is casters. Straight yeah. And yeah. I think I was the person who told you that Barbarian was definitely not the counter to Warriors in version 7. Right. Yeah. So version 7. <laughs> Did it do it again? No. Wait. What happened? Still good? Okay. What were you saying, Broton? It says you're talking, but we're not here. I'm not hearing anything, at least. Oh, no. I'm not hearing any audio. Snapped. Yes, and I'm recording. We'll again. fix it in post. All right, sweet. Yay, more work in post. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we'll, we'll, I was about to answer the target acquisition thing. Yes. So the cool thing. So the cool thing about Wizard is, yes, we do have some hard counters. Like it's already been mentioned before, warriors, and we and for Wizard, it's less hard counters and soft counters, and more. We have a really easy time with the, the, these classes. And a little bit more of a difficult time. Like it's 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 more difficult for us to, uh, of course, work on monks because we only have a couple spell verbals that affect them. Our spell balls work against them just fine. Yes, they can block them with their with their missile block, but that's not as you know complete of a of a d defense as a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. um, what, if I were to say what a big advantage that wizard has, it's a versatile offense. Um, and what I mean by that is that when it comes to total points that you can spend on verbals, you know, wizards don't get any more than, say, bards. But we do get more schools and we do get more um, CC effects than, bar than bards get. It's one of our big advantages. That said, um, I would say one thing I, I, well, one thing I say a lot is that uh, you can take two spell balls, ice ball and lightning bolt. And those two affect just about anybody. Like ice ball affects almost everybody, and lightning bolt hits um, hits barbarians. Like so, lightning bolt is what you use on barbarians. Ice ball is what you use on everyone else. The only exception, and this is kind of like the dirty cheater in the in the group, is bard singing song of freedom because song of freedom doesn't make you immune to schools. It makes you immune to states. We can still affect the bard singing song of freedom with stuff like wounding and stuff. So it's your combined arms offense that makes it that makes wizard uh, so good. And one of the an another cool thing you can do with wizard is you can kind of be reactive depending on what the meta is like in your park. Like if the meta is full of assassins, take dimensional rifts and planar groundings. You know, if the meta is, you know, a bu bunch of other casters, then that's when you can take a bunch of break concentrations and suppress auras and stuff like that and shut those other casters down. Wizards can react and, and not only do they get a virtual offense, they can modify their offense depending on the situation they're in. Uh, when it comes to support, I would say in enchantments, wizards don't get like enchantments that are universally awesome for every situation like healers you can take pro mag and that's going to be useful for almost everything mm -hmm. druids you can take stone skin and iron skin that's going to be useful for almost everything wizards do get some really powerful enchantments but you're basically tailor building your enchantment your enchantments for the specific team that you're on and what they need um I guess there there are some exceptions, like they can take pro mag, which is almost always useful. But pro, their pro mags competing with a lot of other spells, like finger of death. <laughs> so, you, in my opinion, wizard, if you're if you're taking enchantments, 
you're not going to p- take the same enchantments in every list you have. You're tailor building your list to whatever team you're on. And I would say uh, when it comes to tailor building your list, uh, Wizard is the biggest person who you want to do that with because it's it's depending on who you're facing and who's on your team. Like I can make a universal list for Druid or Bard or Healer really and be more effective, but I find myself changing my list. Like I remember having a having a sheet that had like you know twelve Wizard lists on it, depending on what 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 was I was dealing with that day. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that later. We've got that for uh, um, how to choose your goal for your list and then sticking with it because excuse me wizard has the most versatility because it is so refined in the idea that it should be offensive or it should be moderately supportive there's not this large variety of like support midfield blah, blah. it's very much focused on offense um and because of that it has a very wide ability for offense it's kind of like you narrow your your overall point but you get really good at that point and you have a wide variance within it um yeah so we'll talk about the the how to choose your list correctly and focus a little later um okay it all the the computer things i've missed i've missed uh who hasn't gone for target acquisition is it just vitalin i think it's just me okay vitalin uh everyone else pretty much covered it so um the in a general sense, um, I would I would tell people that you want to um, throw a lot of your spells at the classes that generally wear more armor, um, because they are they've got the potential to have the most longevity into the field. And so, like if you're uh, if you're opponent if you're if you're the enemy team has you know they're throwing enchantments out and stuff. You know, warriors like enchantments because they're like, oh, I can kill things easier with this druid enchantment, and I've got all this armor to keep me in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, freeze that guy, or um, or just finger of death that guy or whatever. Uh, hit them. Um, generally speaking, I would say if you're hitting like assassins and uh, you know and scouts and whatnot, um, I don't see them as like big priority. Uh, we got to throw like a whole bunch of buffs on these guys to make sure that like they can go out and just be giant killing machines. Like a lot of the times, those sort of skirmishing classes are out on the sidelines, and they're playing little games to like pick off two or three people from your team, like here and there. And you know they're, they're having fun doing that and whatnot, but they're not holding their line mm-hmm. and they're not pushing straight into your line, so they're not making the big impact. The big impact are those big armor wearers, mm-hmm. and those big armor wearers also have less resistances to you um it's it's certainly easier for warriors in version 8 to deal with wizards than it was in version 7 where in version 7 they had nothing mm-hmm. um and you know they did not have shake it off they did not have true grit and um lightning bolt back then went through your armor and killed you <laughs> um but uh but that's you know even though it's easier for them in version 8 than in 7 they're like they're still the juiciest target that i like to go for but other than that it's pretty much what cad said if you are playing in a smaller field or you're playing to your parks meta you've got answers for all sorts of stuff you just pick and choose um uh who do you know is a problem on the field like sometimes it doesn't matter what class they play Mm-hmm. That dude's a warlord. <laughs> Get him. Stop him. We can only kill him with magic. We can't <laughs> sword him down. He's a warlord. So, um, 
So basically that, that's that's pretty much the target acquisition. Um, I think we, I think a lot of us jumped into the, uh, the argument of offensive target acquisition that I think a lot of us forgot about. We didn't touch on defensive target acquisition um, as much. And originally, I don't think I really understood that quite as well when I was reading it from the prompt. Um, but I did throw some things in there to mention it. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of defensive acquisition, I, like, I don't really pick pick and choose a whole lot of like particular people to to like buff or protect or how to particularly sustain myself as a, like a priority. I think I just, there's go-to stuff, teleport away, ambulant, run backwards while casting. Or um, or something that Steve does is uh, he'll he'll run forwards while casting at the person behind him with just, you know, putting his, his, his casting finger back here. And then last minute, you know, you look back there, so your target's in visual range. Um, you know, because you have to have line of sight. Well, I don't need line of sight for most of the incant, so he'll just he'll run forward where he's faster, and then turn his turn his head real quick. Mm -hmm. But in terms of defensive target acquisition, I think part of that is plays into the well, what's probably going to come at you. And so, a lot of people like to say archers and bow users are good for countering wizards because they don't wear armor. So fire on, fire at them with your bow. Arrows move very fast. You know, it can be hard to dodge or whatever. You don't necessarily, you know, know you're going to get hit. It can be a stray arrow coming from, like, you're looking over there and it gets you. Um, so what I like to do is I I don't usually get hit by arrows, and I like to tell people that archers aren't a problem. Um, but that could be a bit biased because what I do when I step onto the field is I look out and I say, there's two people with a bow. Every 15 seconds or every 30 seconds or something, I'm just going to look up and just see where those bow users are. And they're not looking at me. All right, back back to what I'm doing. And so that's kind of a target acquisition from the defensive perspective. As you're looking out, who's who is a threat to you? Check them. If they are threatening you, deal with it somehow. Use a spell on them or run away. Get a, get a buddy. And if they're not dealing with you, you've done your due diligence. You've checked for it. Now get back to what you were doing. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm long-winded, but I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of us on this are long-winded. Um, uh, okay, so here's a, a question that is a lot more... It's, it's kind of a more opinion-based than it is, like, strategic or, or information backup. Um, we, the, the healer, the scout, the druid, and the wizard all get dispel magic. Um the healer we've already kind of positioned is they they're not their job is not to be the dispeller on the field like if that's their role somebody's probably missing something the scout has a limited use of it um i'm not saying don't take dispel magic in this case for heal take take dispel magic take dispel magic um but the <clears throat> druid and the wizard in the case of there's a copy of each class on the field is it the druid's job or the wizard's job to be the dispeller, or is it split between both of them? Um, I think this is really important because a lot of people, not just in Polaris, but around the country, think that druid breaks some games, and that druid is uh, the... I don't disagree, but I think druid is the strongest class because it can have a large effect. The problem is people forget that dispel magic exists and takes off every enchantment, not just one. So the counter to druid is either a druid or a wizard um 
is dispel magic and the role of the dispeller to be on the wizard or the druids? Uh, let's start with Proton on this one. Well, in my opinion, I think uh, wizard is the better dispeller out of the two, and it should fall on the wizard, mainly because uh, it is chargeable like out of the gate for wizard, and we can take as many as we want. And then we can innate it, we can do whatever, uh, find a bard friend to get get him back. Uh, oh, I mean, instant charge uh, kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of people uh, say druid's a better dispeller because they have neutralized magic. Uh, I have laughed many a time because I will find that druid out there with their five instant dispels. <laughs> And I will actively grab the lowest enchantment possible from a druid or whoever on the team because someone will just see me with a, a spell strip. They'll blow it. I'm. It's like I'm casting my dispel, blowing off the rest of their dispels. And I'm like, cool. You got my. Uh, let's see. Uh, Blessing against wounds. Yeah, yeah, that is the best. <laughs> yeah, it's just like what uh, whatever yeah. spell <laughs> just. Me? Make if you want to make them feel the worst, find a druid friend and tell them to put imbue armor on their spell list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Give me the wizard imbue armor enchantment so that when when I when when we have this exchange, that druid feels stupid. Uh, that's that's the the assuming you know what's on the opponent and then just taking it off because you can and not asking yeah. like what's that. <laughs> I mean, imbue armor or. You literally, <laughs> I just extension dispel uh, Druid when they just right out of the gate, I just see them have their five strips on and I'm just like, you know what? I don't like that. Try to outrun this. Boom. And I'm like, my one dispel just got rid of their level six uh, enchantment. And I'm just, oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. So I, in my opinion, if wizards make the better dispeller, it's the role should be on them. I mean, don't get me wrong. A druid, a druid with the right build should have a dispel because if you have access to a dispel, you should take a dispel. Uh, but yeah. That's so. commandment number two. Thou shalt take dispel. Thou shalt take dispel. <laughs> <laughs> god dang it we're building the commandments carve you a tablet <laughs> yep <laughs> uh vital uh is it the druid or the wizard's role i think broton's wrong <laughs> all right this, I think, this... um i think i think largely i really think this is a two sides of the same coin scenario mm -hmm. and um and you like you can make the argument it's like oh well wizard's got the better sustained one and druid's got the swift one and that's that's that's, that's sort of true but that's sort of the surface level argument behind it. Mm -hmm. um, I, the place where um, the place where you're going to see the most enchantments and the most dispel magics are in large battle games. But in large battle games the the necessity for any particular person specifically to carry their own weight is lessened because there are likely more people who can also bear that weight. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a, a giant large battle game and you're playing as a druid, 
well, look at all these people I can enchant. Maybe I'll take the summoner archetype. If I take the summoner archetype, I can have so many swift, uh, you know, swift, swift dispels. So I will beef up my people, put naturalized magic on myself if I want to. And then because I've got the safety net of, you know, the front line and whatnot, my people, you know, sort of guarding me or whatever, I can go out and, you know, dis, you know, they're going to do the same thing. They've got enchanted people. I'll go out there, dispel some people, and then I'll step back and I'll be safe. Mm-hmm. The wizard, we got the same thing. It's like, it's a big battle game. It's probably going to be a long time for the battle game to end. So I've got a long sustained list of dispel magics. I can go out there and get people, charge it, get another person, charge it, get another person. There's going to be, there's going to be summoners out there. There's going to be a lot of enchantments. The, the, the mileage that I'm going to get from the one spell point, absolutely, you know, return on the vestment is like, skyrocketing mm-hmm. um if you're in a large battle game as a druid you can probably afford to experience a regular dispel magic and make that chargeable and the charge times 10 doesn't feel very good but it's a large battle game you're gonna tell me you can't find a battery bard <laughs> go find a battery bard you your the sustainability is just about the same as the wizard so I think, um, so it's, so in large battle games, it's almost moot. In small battle games, then the importance is so dang high based on who's there. Mm-hmm. Is um, Are you on a team and the battle game is small and your team doesn't have a wizard? Yes, it's your responsibility as the druid to craft some small magic. There's no wizard. You must do it. Um, is there, you know, so, I mean, if... Um, Sir Michael Hammer of God told me this once. He he's oftentimes says like a healer should grab like one dispel magic, um, and I don't agree with him necessarily as a whole. But if you're in a small park, you have a small battle game. There's nobody in your on your team who has access to that spell, but you're the healer and you do. It's a fifth level spell. It does not feel good to purchase, but nobody else in your team has the dispel. Buy it. I mean, what feels so, worse, buying a fifth level spell or watching your team get overrun by a bunch of like magic yeah, armored up gods? Warrior, imbue weapon, oh, you know, flame, all, you know, all the crazies. So i I think I think we will we will debate the wizard and the druid's role for dispel magic forever. I think, and you know, and I'm fine with it. I mean, that's that's, that's my. Yeah, it's 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 an opinion more than like data backed up thing. Yeah, because it's kind of dependent on a lot of different factors. Kaz, what's your take? Yeah. I have anecdotal data to back it up, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, and the Pick anecdotal the <laughs> and the, the the anecdotal data would would be that like okay, wizards are spending a point. And they get um, pretty much almost infinite dispel magic. So, oh, they have to charge it in between, mm-hmm. and um, but they can also use it with their meta magic and stuff like that. Um, whereas dru- druids, they can buy a dispel magic, like like Vitalin said. And some of the best druids that I've teamed with actually do buy a dispel magic as well in case they run out of naturalizes. But with that one point, and let's be honest, druids, I, I've rarely met a druid that doesn't spend two points in dispel magics if they're taking on the roll of the spell or two naturalized magics so they have a total of 10 dispels now as a wizard 
am I um, when I buy my dispel magic in your average game? Am I using it ten times? Eh, probably not. But then we have to consider as the druid uh, who's taking the naturalize. How many of those naturalizes are they using? How many of those instances of dispel magic are they using before they die? And the the answer is probably somewhere around three. Um, so putting all of that together, I would say that who's the better dispeller probably depends on the game. Um, if it's a long game, then the, then the wizard, you, you can't, that's kind of the thing is that like, if a druid has naturalized, they're a target. You, you want to take out that, that druid to get rid of their naturalized. The wizard, you can't get rid of their dispel magic. And that's kind of, and that's kind of the thing. That's, that's a huge advantage that wizard has over druid. But unlike, say, a Phoenix League field where you only have like you know so many so long of halves, the Druid has you know that many just really quick dispels over the period of that half. And if they stay alive and they get their dispels off, I would say in the Phoenix League field, the Druid can potentially be the better dispeller of the two. But in the in the long game, the the Wizard is a better dispeller. So I would say, yes, you want both. <laughs> you definitely want both. Makes a lot of I sense. would say they're, they're equally good. It depending on the game and everything like that. It's, it's objective, mm -hmm. objective, objective, figure out where or what the objective is, how to get in. Yeah. Length of yeah. game, all that stuff. I want to, I want to, I want to chime in real quick because uh, I was, I was feeling sassy when it was my turn. And I, and I, I said, I think, I think Bro I thought Broton was wrong. I mean that in like a respectful, respectful word debating it kind of way. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Like we're, we're all smiling here. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't, don't want to be like, no, it's about flexibility. And Cad said it's about flexibility <laughs> and everyone else is going to back me up. Like, <laughs> so I mean, these are opinions, and these are these are. Yeah. Uh, we're all fighting in the same kingdom, so our our yeah. perspectives a little bit skewed towards the meta in Polaris, which um, is not going to be the meta in other places, because like, this this how mm -hmm. metas work. They're not universal unless one is yeah. stupidly overpowerful. By, uh, yeah, yeah. Hodge, what's your take yeah, on it? When I mentioned before that people have expectations of you when you play wizard people have the dispel magic expectation of wizards like all the time mm -hmm. i don't think people always hold a dispel magic expectation of druids even though druids are there's always the debate between who's the better dispeller mm -hmm. but i don't think people see a druid and they say did you take dispel magic <laughs> why didn't you take dispel magic i don't think they i don't think they i don't they don't they don't have that same pressure yeah um <clears throat> Well, I think the points these guys have brought up are very, very good points. Um, my opinion, I think it's the wizard because it's one point and then it's charge three. Mm -hmm. uh, you just can't beat that in terms of efficiency. However, like, I... I almost feel like Vitalin's argument blew it like out of the water <laughs> with you know that that nobody in a large scale battle game has to carry their own weight and then if you're in a small team battle game and you your team is really counting on you to take it and you're able to take it then you take it like even if you're a healer and it's like the hardest 
because it sucks for healer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Yeah, it does. It's, but, it's rough. Um, I mean, though, in terms of you get the the efficiency, though, with with that mindset of it, I would say it's wizard. And as Vitalin was saying at the end there, too, it, people don't really give that um, that pressure of where's your dispel to to druids all the time. Mm-hmm. And then as Cads was saying also, but if this is a fight of who can get more dispels faster, oh that's a that's a druid, for sure. If that's if that's what we're doing, that's who can do that. So these guys brought up very good points. It's yeah. If if there's four people in front of you with the, oh, sorry. I, I can't fault anybody. No, I cannot fault anybody who says, dude, charge times three, one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's it's extremely efficient. And the... that is, that's the best charge uh, iteration like in the game. The, yeah. the only thing better is for life, charge times three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I will say is that a, like a druid taking two naturalized magics, they're giving up stuff to, to take that stuff. It's two points of six level magic. Mm-hmm. Even even though it's absurdly powerful, you know, and it's it's almost a staple of a lot of druids I've seen. They're still giving stuff up. They would rather spend that two points elsewhere. For the wizard, <laughs> I mean, what else are you spending it on? I mean, yeah, you're you're giving stuff up, but you're not giving up nearly as much for that one point of right. infinite dispel magic. Yeah, potential inf- infinite spell magic is uh is hard to pass up because it's it's such a powerful and it's such a needed part of our game at the moment, especially with the way that druid can output so much magic armor, defenses, defensible abilities. The warder for the healer can put out so much as well, and even if you have to counter some uh some wizard enchantments which if you forget that wizards have enchantments and then leave them on the field you're probably losing team members left and right because like contagion void touch vampirism (laughs) in fact dispel alone is one of the reasons why warlock is a meme spec yes (laughs) um moving on to that though uh so I didn't put the the question is evoker versus battle mage strategic uses and flaws for each of them uh and then is there any builds that don't use an archetype that are really effective and i did not include warlock in that because warlock very quickly falls off that that even like abc tier list like it's it's down in d and f because it can't keep up with the dispel it can't keep up with the cc it has too it's too easy to be uh countered and it, it just overall limits most of what you can do as a wizard. So I didn't even put it on this this debate of is a, is Evoker or Battle Mage better? And I'm guessing this is going to go very similar to the the last question we had. It depends on your objective. It depends on your uh, your goals. So Haj, you play Battle Mage pretty much not exclusively, but you very much emphasize on it. What's your take on the Evoker versus Battle Mage? Um. <clears throat> okay, I would like to defend Warlock. First of all, okay, okay, yeah. let's do it. Thank you. Um, it. It sucks, but we love it. I love Warlock. <laughs> okay, don't underestimate legging the shit out of people. That's true. Yes. Like, if you're on a big battle game, you don't have to be the dispel wizard. You can just leg everybody. <laughs> um, and your enchantments mean nothing if you can't walk. <laughs> right. I was uh, 
further onto Warlock, one time I was the main boss. I was a lich. And you can play level 6 wizard as a lich. You also get 4 points natural armor that you can regenerate somehow. It's very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose to play a warlock just within flavor with this. And one of the groups that was coming through, it was, oh my god, it was Einar Yar. And I was like, they're going to be so enchanted. They're going to be like enchanted all the way up, all of them. And I don't have a dispel. So I like said to the guy running the dungeon, I'm like, can you just put them in a dispel trap or something before they get here? And he's like, what? You're a wizard and you don't have dispel? What kind of wizard are you? And then I'm like, stupid dispel pressure. <laughs> but I absolutely are. We did just fine. Um, wounding. Don't underestimate it. Heat weapon, pyrotechnics, all that stuff works just fine. Um, okay, so you were saying Battle Mage versus Evoker? Yeah, strategic uses are flaw- or uh, like strategic uses where one is better than the other. Are there any flaws that each of them have that you have to be aware of? Um, Evoker's limitation is that you can't take... Dispel magic. (laughs) Yeah, you can't take any verbals at range greater than touch, right? Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, that's very niche. Um. But I mean, balls are good. Balls are very good in our game. Um. I'm sorry, Merrick. What was the question again? I don't have my piece of paper with this. Oh, stuff sorry. Down uh, Evoker versus Battle Mage, strategic uses versus and flaws. So, like, uh, you mentioned that Evoker, you miss out on, um, you miss out on uh, any of the offensive ranged verbals. Right. Right. Um, okay. So strategic uses for Battle Mage. I can talk definitely about that because, as you said, that was kind of my main thing for mm-hmm. sure. Um, the the drawbacks to it is that you don't get spell balls, and that's actually pretty big, because uh, spell balls are very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you overcome that is being able to always have the timing on your spells be exactly where you want it by being able to move your feet. So you can always just kind of put people into um the spot that you want them to be in or where where you need them to be for right when your spell goes off and uh i would like to discuss later um when we're in more open discussion Mm -hmm. just a few cheating topics um or what you guys may or may not consider cheating um but it has to do with slow casting and and just moving to put your opponent where you want them um other advantages with Battle Mage. Mm. I I really like to play with uh, a long sword and a short sword. Um, this is not exclusive to any style, but it's definitely harder to wield two weapons while you're trying to throw spell balls. Yep. Um, and... The way I get around this to have an open hand for casting is I just have my short sword 
uh, tied to my wrist strap or onto my glove uh, string. And then I released that to cast the spell and then just pop back up into my hand when I'm done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like to actually, you know, try to be a battle mage and actually fight people a little bit and then use your spells to, like, augment your fighting. Like, maybe you old person this person or you like them and then you just fuck and go up and stab you because it's an expensive thing to have a long sword at level five mm-hmm. um but if you just tell yourself well that's gonna save me some woundings then just <clears throat> right it's a trade-off every everything on the spell list is a trade-off and uh weapons are unlimited kind of like they have unlimited yep. hits uh-huh. Also, the long sword is surprisingly good at blocking, especially in tandem with a short sword. Mm-hmm. It in, it very much increases your defensive capabilities, which is one of our weaknesses. Makes sense. Um, uh, Cads, I know you've talked about doing Spellball, doing Evoker. So what's your take on the, the Battle Mage versus Evoker? So for... First off, I'd like to open, like like Hodge said, by talking about Warlock. <laughs> now, I've said before that Warlock I'm is a meme. I'm the same thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I've said before that Warlock is a meme spec. Yes. Um, but, and I will say, say I, I would like to clarify and say that, yes, I do believe that of the archetypes, it is the weakest. But a lot of people don't recognize exactly what Warlock gets and brings to the table. So let's read Warlock together. Each verbal purchase in the Death or Flame School gives double the uses. Example, one per life charge three becomes two per life charge three. Mm-hmm. Player may not purchase verbals from any school other than the Death or Flame Schools. So, may not purchase verbals. The only thing Warlock affects is verbals. Spell balls are still on the table. Right. So, when we when we talk about Warlock, um, we say, like, we, we, we almost exclusively say eight fingers of death. And... Without taking Warlock, you can get six fingers of death. Let's move away from fingers of death. Let's talk about Drag Below, because Drag Below is third level. So you can get like an obnoxious amount of Drag Belows, and your spell balls aren't restricted. You can still cast Entangle, and well, Lightning Bolt's Flame, you'd still be able to do that with that so if kills are your goal warlock you know if if you're like in a battle game where you're looking at which team can get the most amount of kills warlock might be competitive to be the best you know archetype to have because you can combine you you can just go fingers of death and tangles lightning bolts and drag belows all day and get lots of kills as a warlock is it the best idea um in a, in a in a regular game no because like i said crowd control effects you know are superior like going for as much crowd control as possible is better than going for kills mm-hmm. and warlocks are good are but warlocks might be the best archetype when it comes to getting kills if that's a good idea for the game that you're going for so moving on from that uh battle mage versus evoker um for me it's less battle mage versus evoker and more archetypeless mage versus evoker because like i've said before from my personal style Mm -hmm. i like i don't like sacrificing infinite ambulance um spell balls for infinite ambulance if you like doing that you know that that's more your thing i like you know 
looking at an, an account an encounter like a group of people and saying i'm going to affect that so i kind of come up with a plan in my head i charge a spell ball i come forward i throw the spell ball and while the spell ball is in the air i start rattling off verbals and i think i get more burst out of that mm-hmm. um i have a limited amount of, of meta magic but so so for me uh but battle mage doesn't take away from as much versatility as evoker does because with the battle mage you can still get um dispel and like you're still you you can still take release you can take release and stuff like that as an evoker but you're interrupting your elemental barrage when you're um doing when you when you're casting any other spell so Mm -hmm. with evoker um you're shortening you're really taking away from your versatility and you're becoming really good at this one thing but that one thing is really awesome <laughs> and it's enough to make it you're kind of almost a different class when you're playing evoker because you're taking away mostly your ability to dispel your like and all that stuff and saying i'm only going to throw spell balls but th- spell balls are obnoxiously powerful um yes, they are. so that's pretty much what i have to say about that is when it comes to this versus this one what's better on the field um it really depends on what you're going for i've played exclusively evoker for a while because i was practicing for bridge wars when i was going to play evoker and i've made the difference on my team but when i'm but when i'm playing just straight archetypalist wizard i'm making a difference in a completely different way like i'm always on on a different role even though that role is uh offensive your way to approach that role is completely different Mm -hmm. so that's what i have to say about that (laughs) All right. Now, Broton, you play a lot of Battle Mage. Um, what is your take on it? Uh, well, my take on Evoker versus Battle Mage, like, realistically, comes down to are you good at throwing balls? <laughs> yes? Go for it. I heavily focused on uh, Battle Mage because. I am accurate with a ball up to eight feet. After that, good <laughs> luck. For those who have seen me play Evoker, I am super shotgun. I am just whipping them out like they're going out of style. Then I have a steel life essence to uh, quickly recharge my elemental barrage as I'm picking up my spell balls. Mm-hmm. So I'm... Uh, if you're if you can say things clearly and fast, battle mage is the way to go. And if you have the cardio to back it up, if you can't run for like thirty seconds, battle mage is not for you. Uh because you're running and you're talking for thirty seconds. Uh get learn how to throw balls. Or if not, uh Focus on like being the support wizard, like the non like build archetype. I mean, I'm with uh Hodge and Cads and Vitalin. It's like Warlock is fun. It's like I actually really enjoy Warlock because uh, if there is no one out there who's going to throw a, a pro flame on anything, it's like I can go out there with what what is my uh my Warlock build. It's like. 30, 30 something heat weapons. Oh god! It's like I call it my shotgun list because I dump everything into wounding. I'll take like three ravages, which turns into six ravages, 
And then the oh, rest yeah, of the Warlock buying three Ravages turns into 12 Ravages. Oh, yes, because it's, yeah, it's two times double, and it's doubled. And it's doubled. Yeah, God, it's like, you only have to buy a few, and it's it's a giant number. And it's like, I'm not going to use them all in one life, but it's like, once I run out of my shotgun shells, I just call it a flamethrower because I'm just out there. No one can swing a weapon today. No one. High fives all around. <laughs> so it's... I per, I personally I mean spellballs are like on paper spellballs are stronger. Mm -hmm. If you can't throw a spellball to save your life though, words hit all the time. <laughs> so words hurt. Word, words <laughs> hurt. hurt. They will spells. And the so, thing is, if someone won't take the spell because you're not loud enough, say it louder, or you call them out on the field. That's a paragon move. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd like to give a tip to someone who wants to learn how to throw. The actual body mechanics for throwing something, like the the way that like you know baseball players do, mm -hmm. um, it's actually not natural. Like your body doesn't naturally move that way. Like if you try to throw something, like in you know your body is kind of naturally attuned to only throw things at like the eight feet range. If you want to learn how to long range throw or you know to pitch a ball. Um, don't, I wouldn't say just go out in your backyard and start throwing, find somebody who actually knows how to pitch and has been trained and ask them to teach you, ask them to train you. Cause like I said, it's not something that your body naturally does. You kind of have to teach it. And I guarantee you that if you've been throwing spell balls, you've learned some bad habits that you have to, that you want to break. If you actually want to learn how to pitch a ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, my dad was a, a pitcher in college. Um, it's not good on your shoulders to do it for a, a long, long period of time. I'm talking years, but like it's a weird body mechanic. And even like our sword throws, they seem very similar, but the, the rotation of the shoulder, the rotation of the arm is different and it, it's going to feel wrong for a while. It takes a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Find someone that trains you because otherwise you're going to, you're going to hurt yourself badly. Yeah. Uh, all right, Vitalin with the bandolier of spell balls. Your take on Evoker and, and Battle Mage, and I guess so, now Warlock right. too. Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't have the control over this question is out of your hands. We will talk about Warlock yes. now. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Um, I I don't fault you for not including it originally, though. Like, you know, it is it is so mean. Um, okay, so don't be fooled by the bandolier spell balls. I have like two of them, so I am capable of carrying like an elemental barrage amount of them. But um, I play elemental barrage wizard about the same rate that I play um, any of the other archetypes, like including warlock, because I play warlock a lot because I like to challenge myself. Um, but um, so I am not a, I am not an evoker expert, mm -hmm. um, but um having uh played evoker uh, a few times um i can uh let you know mention the similarities so because uh elements barrage notes that you can use your spell balls by stating their name it neither uses the word cast or incant and or announce, so which i've been corrected on or, or announce, which, um, yeah, I you posted that on, on the rules page. And yeah, I'm going to try to get that, that changed. Quite, I don't quite think it got as much traffic as it deserved. I think more people should have chimed in. But um, the 
oh, I got thrown off. So because of these, you can move around. Um, you can run around while while using your spell balls. So in to a, kind of an effect, you almost have like on surface level, you almost have like the same trade off that the uh, that the uh, uh, battle mage does. Mm -hmm. The battle mage is using ranged verbals. They don't have spell balls. You're using spell balls. You don't have ranged verbals. You can both cast on the run. Um, you know the problem is the evoker has. Uh, can't really cast anything. You know, they lose their ability to do that as soon as they cast anything else, or once they go try and reload their stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but the uh, the comparison uh, starts to shift when you consider things like, okay, as an elemental barrage wizard, I can run around and I can play on the flank like what battle mages are really good at doing, uh, drawing people out and then getting them and then picking my stuff up and whatnot. But I'm not required to run around. Um, you know, Cad's mentioned in the Phoenix game with uh, with Eve that, I mean, if you're in a tunnel, you stand right there and you just go, go ham on people. Um, and then you get to deal with the logistics of, did we push forward enough in, uh, in the fight in the tunnel that I can pick up my stuff later hmm. or are we doing this a little bit slower and i gotta do a little bit of longevity here um those are sort of the elements that you play with there um you also run into the risk of if you are playing the flanking game as elemental barrage and you're throwing your spell balls at people who are sort of on the sides of the enemy team you have to worry a little bit about throwing too far and then not being able to get your spell ball back so you can actually run out of ammo in ways that the battle mage might not have to worry about. When you're a battle mage, you need more cardio, um, and you know you need a better heart, better breathing, better mm -hmm. air, you know you need better cardio than the elemental barrage wizard, because um, t you know you don't have unlimited use spell balls, mm -hmm. so your spells are coming to you per life, per refresh, or on a recharge. And so, I mean, when I play Battle Mage, I like to grab, you know, quite a few things that are on recharge so I can have longevity and run around. But you are not only running around and casting at people, but then when you're done and you want to get your spells back, you're, you haven't stopped incanting. You're still talking. You're, re mm -hmm. you're re doing a recharge mechanic. So you can get winded on Battle Mage a lot easier than you can on Evoker. So... They're kind of two sides of the same coin, but the differences in the amount of uh, of running around and like athleticism expertise that you need um, can be quite different. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, they can they can for the most part sort of fulfill the same roles. And then like if you're you don't need to be a battle mage in a tunnel, right? You, you're, you don't even need extension in a tunnel. If you're, uh, if I mean, if two two forces are just smashing into each other and they're at close range, the, don't take an archetype. Yeah. Or go, or go memes. Go warlock. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, defending warlock. So one of the things that makes warlock unfortunate is uh, one of the places where I, one of the positions on the field that I think where it will work best mm -hmm. uh, suffers from noise pollution. Right. Um, 
when you, you know, with, in a big game, or if you're doubling your abilities, you've got a lot of ammo. A lot of ammo is awesome in a big game where there's a lot of targets. And so you could sit there and you could look at things like, hey, I don't have to be killing people. If I'm standing behind two scores of my friends, mm -hmm. uh, from like the third line back or whatever, and I just stand here and I'm relatively safe, and I just see this wave of people that I can just cast Ravage on and cast Destroy Armor on, like those spells get super crazy high mileage, like um, amount of uses per point spent. Mm -hmm. But uh, like two things that Warlock suffers from is that when you cast Ravage or Destroy Armor on people, you've not removed your opponent's agency at all. Yep. Um, they can still, like just in a park battle game, they can still chase you down. They can cast release on themselves and remove it. They can run away. Mm -hmm. If they're another caster, you're casting something at them while they're casting something at you, and you made them fragile, and they made you frozen. Yeah. You lost. That's not a good exchange. And so you're sitting there, and you're thinking, like, all right, I have a lot of ammo, but I don't remove agency as well, but I can put states on people. And then it's, it's really noisy because there's a whole lot of people, so it's like they didn't even hear the destroy armor. I would yeah. love to just take off a warrior's torso armor i don't need to dispel him if he's lost all of his torso armor i just need one of my guys with a pole arm to stick him once <laughs> and then oh now you got a true grit or now you got to go back and get res and then get your armor fixed like you would think like destroy armor shouldn't suck that much mm -hmm. but it oh wait did you guys know that destroy armor exists i'm talking about a spell that like even warlocks don't take that's true <laughs> it, it's forgotten a lot so, so like where I feel like it'd be great, it suffers from noise pollution. And then in the types of battle games where it'd be great, where killing is the objective, where you're you're doing the uh, like cool uh, or like individual lives, you're doing entangles, you're doing drag belows. Um, those styles of battle games had like shifted really hard away from version seven mm -hmm. and people more and more and more and more do not want to play games uh that are just you know shatter games yeah uh those are my favorite games i just love to be like all right roll up the team who can kill the other team better let's go <laughs> what's this stupid flag i don't want to deal with no flag i want to kill people um so it's uh so i I uh, I defend Warlock in spirit. Mm -hmm. This should not be an archetype that is only for memes. It should not be an archetype that sucks. They lose Dispel Magic, but so does Evoker. But you still see more Evokers than right. you do you know, Warlocks. Or maybe you don't see more of them. Maybe there's still plenty of people who play Warlock, but everyone's definitely talking about Warlock sucking, and nobody's talking about it uh, you know, evoker sucking because, well, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but like they both lose access to dispel magic, you know, and you know, we already talked about that pressure that you have to have dispel. Right. So it's like, this one can be good without it. Why can't this one be good without it? And you know, it's has to do with the kind of games that we play. It has to do with like the most efficient spells you can get suffer from noise pollution. Mm -hmm. I would say that there is, um, I did read about a, a warlock battle mage style where people grab a bunch of ravages, a long sword, and they just run around ravage people. And because they got that, that extra foot of length on their sword, they just hit that leg and they kind of play a 
an assassin with no insubstantials you just run around and mm -hmm. ravaging somebody and hitting them is kind of like an, a reverse poison so yeah so i if they decided hey we need to change uh wizard to make its archetypes more viable i would be really sad to see warlock go because i don't think that it should go but i i hate that it feels like it never works well i think it's a game i mean it's what you said the game types have changed away from it the games that they're very good at yeah. are games that people don't like playing as much because it stops people from playing the game so yeah we it, it's moved away it's not a bad in general sub or archetype it's bad because we don't play those games anymore like yeah. it'd be it'd be like if we said there's uh we're playing a game where everyone's immune to cc well bard would be pointless like it, it's the same kind of thing we're moving away from the style of game that warlock excels at so therefore it moves out of meta yeah um okay so um we're going to combine some of these questions so the wizard has we've mentioned this a couple times before the wizard has the largest amount of offensive spells and variance in offensive spells um with that comes the problem of creating your lists you can kind of get all over the place and then not be really good at anything uh so how do you guys choose a goal for your list and then stay focused based on that choice um let's start with broton for this one all right, could you what's what's the question? So when you're when you're making your list for for wizard, because it is such a, a large list of uh, offensive spells and different differentials in spells, um, how do you choose a goal for your list and stay focused on it? Well, first, I always see what my team needs. I'll look at my team, see what's missing in the build up. I look at the enemy team, see what the what the opponents will have. Then, like, realistically, it will boil down to most of the time I'll take a, a battle mage because then I can move around the battlefield, like, quicker and more efficiently. Mm -hmm. And uh, from my days as a bard, as as you know, Merrick, uh, I love my per lives. Uh, oh. Per lives are goddamn great. And especially with a uh, battle mage, uh, you become a wrecking force, so... I will like tend to take between uh, four, four to six like spells that are my main thing, and I just drop all the points into those, and it will vary depending on what we're fighting against. Like if the battle game is um, like a node game, I take a lot of whole persons, a lot of break cons, take a lot of shoves, hmm. stuff like that. And uh, just then, just use my abilities to capitalize on uh, a node, pushing people away or holding them away, stuff like that. Uh, mm. Also, heat weapon, heat weapon is great. I mean, it's better with a druid, but in a wizard, still just as good. Mm. I mean, not chargeable good, but you know what I mean. I mean, so. release is great, but nobody beats a two per life charge. Re two per life charge times three from a healer, like. Yeah. It's just a thing. Cads, uh, how do you choose your goal for your list and stay focused on it? So for my per personal list, like Wizard has a lot of staples that I that I would take uh, take in almost every game. 
Um, and those include spells like Breakcon, spells like Ice Ball and Lightning Bolt. Like I said, Ice Ball and Lightning Bolt in, in tandem, that gives you a weapon that, that's universally used against just about everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, Dispel Magic is a big one because you only need to spend one point and you get that infinitely. We've talked about that before. Wounding is another big one. You can spend right. one point and just constantly uh, charge that up. Um, two, two staples I almost always take are swift teleports. Those are universally useful in just about every situation, offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you, get, once you get through your staples, you've gotten about half your points. So the other half, it really depends. Because like Wizard, um, you have a lot of tools in your toolbox that would be super useful in certain scenarios, but useless if those scenarios uh, don't come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, spells like dimensional rift, spell like and stuff like that. So, what what I usually do to fill up my list is do what Broton suggests. Um, like ba- basically, look at what your team needs. Look at what the enemy has. Does the enemy have lots of assa- assassins and people who are going to use insubstantial against you? Then you want to take your dimensional rifts. So you want to take a planar grounding, maybe. Um, you like swift releasing and then killing somebody who who is in insubstantial or stone form are very useful things but those kind of go like those kind of go with your staples like swift release is always going to be a part of you a part of your list like likely you're always going to want to take release you're always you're almost always going to want to take swift at least when i'm playing (laughs) so um you're already pretty good at dealing with assassins. It's just, you know, you can be better at, at dealing with assassins with dimensional rift. Um, another thing is not so much your list, but your tactics. Um, so in the rising winds Phoenix league, I kind of set the meta for wizards taking a lot of break concentrations. Cause I would take five of them and just use them to shut down the other team. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of wizards started making builds similar to mine showing up um, on the other team with like trying to break concentration me before I break concentration them. So it kind of became that back and forth of like, who's going to break concentration first. Mm. And, and the, yeah, the quick draw and the tactic I kind of developed to, to fight that was, okay, you get to break concentration first, but you know, so I'm going to let, get in within your range and you're going to cast break concentration on me. And while you're casting it, because you're hyper focused on ca- casting break con at me, I'm going to throw an ice ball at you. <laughs> so we're trading 10 seconds of me being suppressed with 60 seconds of you being frozen. It's a good trade. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that trade. I'll take that trade. So, and that's kind kind of goes for every caster, not just wizard. Is but is that you're trying to build the field you're trying to get your opponents to react the way that you want them to um it's kind of like what i said before you you freeze a warrior so you can get the healer to come out and then you and then you screw over the healer um so that's kind of how i build my list is so i can be versatile and so i can put myself into situations like that mm-hmm. while at the same time specializing in what needs to be done i always take a release i always t- take I almost always take Max Swift's ambulance and extensions with my ver- with my generalist non battle mage non evoker list. I always take ice balls. I always take lightning bolts. Um, I I always take break concentrations, and I always take like my general combination of 
um, pretty much almost every school hold persons, woundings, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and then have plenty of room left over for other for other spells. Right. Getting uh, you you hit on some staples there. You said ice ball, lightning bolt, um, release, dispel magic. If you can take those, yeah. Um, if you can take those, yeah. Right. Um, experience icy blast is always a good staple because you can bring it back with steel life essence. <laughs> yeah. The I mean, Steel Life Essence makes recharging really nice if you can uh, snap snap back some of your abilities that are your kill combos. You've got to yeah. I mean, effectively, it turns any spell into a per-life spell, almost. Yeah. It does. And remember, oh yeah, and remember, Steel Life Essence does not only work on the enemy, it also works on your own teammates. So if you know that someone's probably not going to get res, Steel Life Essence them. In fact, it, it's a good idea to train your team that before, you know, if you die and you just want to respawn, before you go to respawn, while dead, run over to the wizard and see if they want to steal life essence away from you, because chances are they will. Yeah. Um, it works. <laughs> it's, a, it's a free free use. Um, so your, uh, your, your kind of go-to abilities in those you listed, are there any hidden gems that you have that stick out a little bit more or the the staples the ones that you really want um staples the ones i want as far as hidden gems i feel a lot of people underestimate how powerful swift teleport is mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it was against yes yeah, against a uh, vital in the game where i was ca- i was casting stuff and he hit hit started targeting me with an extension finger of death and i instinctively swift teleported and he was like did you just swift teleport out of my finger of death yeah <laughs> And he's like, I can't and, remember this exact interaction, but it's probably because I was thinking like, that's my thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always take swift teleports. That's gimmick infringement. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's how magic yeah. grows. You learn a cool yeah. trick, you adapt it, you use it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really call that my thing. It feels so obvious. I feel like yeah. Yeah, it's something that everybody's using. I mean, the... But, the curse of knowledge of knowing something but not realizing that other people may not know it is uh something we do also have to be aware of because like mm-hmm. we think about like oh catch a release you ice ball someone you release them with a, a a literal just release spell and stab them a bunch of times it counts as a kill basically if they don't know that you're you're assuming that they have a, a tool that they don't um i mean catch and release i learned catch and release from you merrick like i i, I got it from thinking. hodge like <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, I know to put a whole bunch of people in states, but then to just go and, and release and stab them instead of using kill combos later after the fact to be like, oh, yeah, well, now I feel dumb. Right. It seems like such an <laughs> really? easy... After you know it, it seems like an easy an easy thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's those kind of things that we have to watch out for and make sure that we're informing the populace of because... Uh, I think that's the point where people get the most frustrated and mad is when we use these hidden gem abilities, we use these combos that people aren't used to, and they don't know that that's a thing. They get mad because they didn't think of it, or they get mad because they think it's cheating, and you have to explain, like, no, it works because of this and this and this. I I can release you while you're frozen. I can touch you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know Hodge and I had that that same problem down in Texas as we were using catch and release, and they were like, you can't touch range. You can't touch range release on me. I'm an, a 
an enemy player. I'm like, you're frozen, you count as vulnerable or willing or whatever technical term we're using. I can do it. Speaking of which, if someone's fro- frozen and they have an enchantment, a swift dispel magic works just fine. And they're still frozen. A lot of people don't think they're still frozen. They are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people hop right out of it. And that, I I had a uh, I had to do a whoa, 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 what the heck is going on here moment. It was like a three-way split where there was an enchanted opponent who was frozen. This was a keep on the borderlands a while ago. And I was like, perfect. This guy, I know this guy's a good fighter. He's definitely a better fighter than me, and he's got enchantments on him. I want the enchantments to go away. And so I cast a dispel on him, uh, and he immediately popped out of his frozen state and was coming to mow me down. And I was like, I was going, whoa, man, what the hell? And then some third-party wizard saw this and was coming up to yell at all of us for being stupid. He's like, hey, man, you can't. he doesn't come out of that, you know, that frozen state when you dispel him. I'm like... I know. Because he was like, you were supposed to shatter him. I was like, no, I wanted the enchantments gone. I don't have shatter available right now. I already spent that on a different guy. I know what I'm doing. I know exactly what I was trying to do here. I mean, I think it's one of those cases of people assume certain, like they put templates of certain things on other ones. So like when you remove gummy, it kills things. People, I think, apply that to like Phoenix Tears. I'm like, when you remove Phoenix Tears, you get your stuff. No, no, no. You have to come out of the frozen I also, state. I also think it may have had some layover from version seven because in version seven, when you would cast Dispel Magic on people, it would not only remove their enchantments, it would all it would remove all effects on them. Oh, so, it was like a G release. It was like it was G release and Dispel Magic in one spell. Wow. It did everything. It was just like all gone. Huh. People complain about Dispel Magic being too strong now. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that makes it stronger or weaker depending on the game stage, especially because we use CC so often to like control and basically yeah. kill. I don't know if that works. Um, I didn't get uh, Broton answer uh, a chance to answer this. Are there any hidden gem abilities you use, Broton? Uh Oh, I mean, classic for all spellcasters that have access to it. Swift teleport. Swift teleport's a great gem. Uh, for wizard, uh, for life, break cons. I will want <laughs> that all day, every day. Yes. That's, that's not a gem. That's a masterpiece. Yep. That's not hidden. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it could be hidden. People don't think about it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not hidden in Polaris. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really like Dispel and Break Con is like when I travel, it's they're both really underused and I don't I don't know why. <laughs> um let's see. Uh Oh yeah. I said this yeah, I said this in Healer, but remember with Swift Teleport, if you are the the target of your own teleport, you're the cause of your insubstantial state and you entered it voluntarily, you can come out at any time between where you are and your target. Mm-hmm. So you could be running at someone enchanting the uh the exit in cat. It's really hilarious. Yep. Uh great spell that gets overlooked. Uh hidden gem, shatter weapon. <laughs> yes. Actually, I really love Shatter Weapon. So, 
I mean, like it gets that. around the monk defense. It gets around pro uh, pro mag. Uh, it's a death spell, right? No, it's sorcery. No, it's, sorcery. it's sorcery. So it, it gets around flame blade then too, because flame blade mm. protects your weapons. Like, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's like I I got turned on to it because uh, like in like my beginning to middle my my path to Paragon, it's like I was a very firm believer. It's like. Well, if I don't have my teammates I want to be with, uh, I have to solo this because that's what I have to do because some people are just bad. Because uh, uh, people kept giving me Gift of Air. So I was like, cool. I'm just, I, I have a lot of flame weapons and I was like dealing with Shaft a lot out here in Minnesota. And it's like once I burnt through like six heat weapons on them, and I kept calling over to my teammates, someone kill him. He has no weapon. His pole is he. And I'm like down on the ground next to it, pointing like his pole's right here. He's standing right here. Someone stab him. And they looked at me and went back to fighting. And staff and Shaft's just like, that's your team. And I'm just like, that's my team. <laughs> and it, it happened more than once. And then I was like, I need a way to handle this on my own. And boom, Shatter Whippin. It's like, because it went on like that for two weeks. And third week, I had first thing right out of the gate, extension, shattered his weapon. And he just had this like shocked Pikachu face at me. And I'm like, I'm ready now. I got so, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's another one. It's like either you like it or you don't just because it's per refresh. Mm-hmm. I will throw a uh, experience on that all day and just I just need to put one point in it and if it's when I get tired from running around with Battle Mage, I'll sit there and charge it. And so. no, nothing nothing counters it either. The only thing that prevents shatter weapon from working, because there's no immunities typically that extend to equipment. The only thing that prevents shatter weapon from working, assuming that you get it off and are in range, is like blessed aura. People don't take that spell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because like if you're immune to sorcery, cool. Your equipment isn't. Yeah. Like meh. I mean, I guess the other answer is if you are a monk, is you just throw it out of range, just get it out of there, and then go into sanctuary. I was casting heat weapon on somebody once, and they were they typically played from they were a cross gamer. They typically played a different LARP, mm-hmm. and um, so they didn't have the ingrained habit of like dropping their weapons and stuff like that. I taught them how verbal magic worked, and they understood that if the target was out of range that my spell would not work on that target. So they took their weapon and they threw it straight up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I gotta, it's, and they would time it. So where I'm almost finished, where it's just like, I can't, I can't per, like purposely like get the spell off in time. Cause yeah. it'll come back to them. It'll be in range when it gets back to them. And then if I get closer or if I do whatever, it's like, they'll, they'll toss it back up or they will come and they'll, they'll, they'll catch it. They'll come and charge me if I have to restart the incant. And I was like, um, that won't work on me now. I'm better at it. I'm, <laughs> I'll time it better. I'll slow down my incant. But I was like, I've never seen anyone throw it straight up, just up in the sky. There it is. 
Yeah, that's that's something to build to build on. You can slow down your incant. The, I believe the the clarification is that you can't slow it down too much, so you so that there's two more than two seconds between you know mm-hmm. syllables. But you can still slow down your incant. Yeah, yeah, because that's because that's a that would be considered like a gap or a pause. Right. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, if you so uh, there there's other ways around it. That's a that's a different rabbit hole. Um, yeah. Hodge, uh, when you're making your list, how do you stay on topic and on goal? And are there any hidden ability or hidden gem abilities? Um, okay. So when making my list, um, like Broton said forever ago now, uh, <laughs> ask your team, see what they need. And uh, my favorite thing is when they say, Oh, we don't actually need anything from you. Just do your thing. Oh, that means I just get to take more of my combo spells. <laughs> um, so I love how Cads um, mentioned the the staples because that is very true. Um, there are a lot of spells that go on every list, and for me, um, you know, my combo list. Is one of them your break concentration, hold person, heat weapon, shove, wounding? Like, you know, you got at least a little bit of every one of those. Uh, what's my hidden gem? Um, wounding, I think, is amazing. An ambulant wounding will stop somebody from chasing you. And now you have time to deal with that problem in other ways. Um, a cheeky thing I like to do is ambulant banish myself after I've teleported and oh Reeves and other players absolutely hate when I do this <laughs> I mean they it, it checks out once I tell them how I did it but they're just oh it's it's cheeky um, yeah I mean it is it's a it's one of those weird kind of edge case things because it is a very weird overlap of two very specific rules it's that the if you um you can target yourself while it is substantial if the thing can target if the spell you're using can target an insubstantial player cool. right as well as the use of ambulance right while substantial it's just it's a bunch of things that make it seem like it's so wrong but, but it you works can... Like, it, it's like catch and release. It fits in a gray area that is technically defined as not a gray. Like, it feels like a gray area, but it's not because it's defined. So, eh. Oh, man. I hope we do get time to... Uh, do you mind if we go down that rabbit hole of slow casting? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can do that on this one as well, too. Yeah, the the uh, we did a little bit on... Uh, well, we did the inverse. Sorry. On Healer, we did the inverse where we talk about starting your incant and then stopping it and essentially using that as a shove because people will leave that space. They don't want to be affected by finger, death, stun, call lightning, whatever. They don't want to be affected by that, so they run out of the way, and you've effectively effectively used a shove on them without ever purchasing that spell. The slow casting is the idea that you have two seconds between syllables, meaning you can adjust your timing on when things hit or when things are in range, not in range, um, and uh, how to how to manipulate that segment. Right. 
And you can really cheese that. And yes. I would like to give an example. Um, and I would like <laughs> the opinions of my peers here just to tell me, do you think this should be allowed? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So what I was doing, I was targeting Glenn with pyrotechnics. So Glenn is a, a warlord and uh, he's been playing for a while. He's a really nice, uh, respectable guy. And I was encanting on him like, I call upon, like I was, you know, just going as slowly as I possibly could and making sure there wasn't a gap of more than two seconds in between each word. Um, but still dragging it out and then able to restart it and keep him at a distance where there was just no way he was able to possibly hit me without me destroying his weapons. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, I think it was after the game, like, what you were doing was not really, like, in the in the spirit of the rules or something like that. And I'm like, he said, you know, I, uh, that's not how it was intended to be. They made like a timing restriction for a reason. And I just said to him, like, I respect your opinion basically, but according to the actual like technicality of the rules, I am doing it correctly. And until they change that, I'm going to continue doing it that way. Um, so, you know, what do yeah. you get? I'll say I think you're 100% in the right and Glenn was wrong. Um, but I will also say that by doing what you were doing, you know, you were fo hyper focusing on Glenn. There's an advantage and a disadvantage to do to doing that, of course. Mm -hmm. And the disadvantage is, of course, is you're not able to pay attention to any other to in, anyone else. You, you know, you you are focused on eliminating this person from from range. And there's a lot of things that that he could do um, to counter to counter you doing that. Like he like you know, um, a good example is that pyrotechnics only damages the equipment that you're carrying at the time that you finish the spell. Mm -hmm. If you're holding a weapon and you throw it up in the air at the split second that you finish, that weapon's not destroyed. Um, so there's lots. So there's lots of little play there here and there. I'll hold my uh, my personal opinions about Glenn <laughs> to myself, uh, but. No, I think what you're doing is in the spirit. It was was in, both in, in the spirit and the written form, form of the rules. Like I said, you're you are, you know, taking away. You're, you're basically CCing yourself so you could CC Glenn. Um, while you're doing that, anyone else could charge at you or run at you, and you'd have to deal with them and stop dealing with Glenn. And that would be the way to counter you. Um, but. I'll go off of you and I'll say a couple of other really good tactics on how on and two tactics related on how to deal with a warrior. Number one, suppose you freeze them and they shake it off. Well, count, count to five and then start slow casting another icy blast. So that as soon as that, that uh, freeze effect ends, you freeze them again. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, and this doesn't involve slow casting, but open on warriors with hold person or a stop effect. And then when they shake it off, then you freeze them. 
Yeah. Because then they've already burned their shake it off. Yeah. The the only disadvantage to that is the hold person allows them to still sh- charge their shake it off. So if they're being smart, they'll shake it off, start charging. By the time they finish, they have their shake it off back. If they're being that's smart. True. That's true. But you'll probably get the freeze effect off before they finish their charging can. Yes, yeah, so that's the other thing. <laughs> so I'm willing to chime in on this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well my opinion will be valued on it uh, compared to anyone else's. It's probably saying pretty much the same stuff. But when I started uh, in Amped Guard, it was, it was the land, the Wild West of version 7. And I know Cads has been playing longer than me. I'm pretty sure you've seen version 6, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I have. So I don't, I don't know how people played version 6, even though when I started Amped Guard, I was reading the version 6 rulebook because they were like, let's try this LARP thing. And I read this version 6 rulebook, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to do this. I get there, and they say, oh, that version 6 book, that's old stuff. We adopted version 7 like two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but I know that in version 7, nothing was done by the spirit of the rules. <laughs> even though there was like a clause in the rulebook where it was like, don't do things against the spirit of the rules you just always have an argument of like well it is in the spirit of the rules because the rule book inspires ingenuity and it also you know it has limitations here like when you when you're when you're designing a game and i don't mean like a battle game designer i mean like writing a rule book for something mm-hmm. um you should expect that people are going to push the boundaries of your rules as hard as those boundaries can be pushed especially when we're talking about competitive players trying to gain a competitive edge. If the rules allow it, then it's allowed. Um, So when you say things like no stops or gaps, you know, greater than two seconds or pauses that last longer than two seconds, two seconds will interrupt the spell. It sounds to, you know, a lot of people, that sounds to me as well. It sounds to me like, oh, I am allowed two seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they're defining a minimum. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Whoever wrote that book said, this is what we are willing to accept that people are going to do. If we don't want people to be doing this, we need to make that shorter. Um, and I can perfectly understand the frustrations of anybody who doesn't like a slow, a, a caster slow casting at them. Uh, because it's like, that's kind of like an argument about like, well, how does the magic system work and how do you uh, fight against a magic system when you're not playing as a magic caster? That can be up in the air. Um, When I was like taught to be a better wizard, when I was like younger and less experienced in it, like that was one of the things they're like, no, no, this is like, do this. This is a really strong thing that you can do is slow down your words and get that timing to work because a lot of people they like to run out of range or they like to hide behind things it's like what well, if they're hiding behind something you slow down until they make a, a whoopsie daisy and then they pop back into sight whatever and um so i don't think that um i don't think that it's a hundred percent like uh you destroy the spell casting mechanics from amp guard if you take that away from people um, in the sense that like we deserve to be able to cast this way mm-hmm. but I think that it that it is already something that is so heavily ingrained in the way that casting works in our game that if you were to change that rule to where it is more restrictive about whether or not you can slow down your speech 
that will have a very heavy impact on people across like all of amp guard because that's basically a that's a an ace up the sleeve you know trick that like every spellcaster paragon almost everywhere uses right i guess except down where you except down where you were where, <laughs> well, where so, you have an plan i guess i think it comes it kind of comes from the idea of what we expect versus what is potentially possible like yeah the sir conan doyle's famous quote is when you re when you remove everything that is impossible whatever remains no matter how improbable must be the answer the problem is people don't understand the difference between improbable and impossible. So if yep. you are thinking outside of the box of what somebody else is and you find slow casting is a potential answer uh, and they don't realize that is an answer, you are now expanding their box, which people do not like that to happen. Like it's, it's a fundamental part of human psychology that they don't like being proved wrong. Um, well, your box becomes less cozy when it's larger. Right. <laughs> Uh, the other aspect of it is V8, especially probably partially because of the way warrior was transitioned from being, uh, a potential more battlefield to being very refined to it. This is a tournament thing, which is a one V one situation. V8 is also kind of took it on the mentality of individual agency matters much more to us as people than team agency. And if you're slow casting, you are reducing only one other person's individual agency, but you have increased team agency on the other side. You have to finish your incant on that other person or cut it off and start a new one, which is now set you backwards if someone else charges at you. Um, very, one of the questions we got for the Paragon Bard discussion was, how do you counter a Bard that has a million Oz? You send three people at him. It is impossible <laughs> to get three Oz off in range like i i guarantee the fast eminem could not pull that off like even if he gets one person right as they enter 20 feet pulls off a second one as they like it's just it's it's just impossible to pull off it's ridiculous if you're slow casting at glenn all glenn has to do is tag his friend next to him and go we're going and now you have to finish glenn's and get the next person there's no guarantee that's going to happen like and you know Bremen, who plays at my park, he easily counters me trying to pyrotechnics him um, when he runs in with two swords, because he'll just like sort of throw one like along the ground towards me as he's running at me, and then he's got one in his hand, one on the ground. So he, and then if I finish the one, he'll just pick up the other one and bot me. Yep. It's there are answers. It's it, causing someone to. Is causing something that somebody believes is a is a core mechanic or a core rule when you break what they believe is a core rule i think it causes a lot more stress and frustration to them because one of their core beliefs of this game has been shattered like it's hard to balance huh when you realize that you're looking at a field and all of a sudden someone makes a change and you go this is no longer what i was looking at two seconds ago i'm in a new game now and then not only that, but when um, when that's not like super popular going on wherever they're playing, and it's not meta, then it's it's going to seem more obvious that it's not possible, even though that's right. incorrect. That's you know, it's like no, 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 this is possible. Uh, you just haven't heard of it before because I guess no one from your area has heard of it before, and it just hasn't it hasn't reached you guys yet. It's not right. You know, it's not meta. It's and then it, it feels you know because it feels like it's like well I haven't seen that before and that seems like really good 
if that was possible because it's so good everyone would be doing it it's like well everyone should be <laughs> i mean and it's partially the the way we read the rules and the way we interpret the rules yeah. um like uh when uh we went to spring war hodge balder and i and mazu um hodge was running around with gift of air and arrow blocking like a boss he was playing a monk with a with a uh, yellow sash and I had four separate, I was reading that game. I had four separate people come up to me and go, hey, this guy is cheating. And I was like, what is he doing? He's arrow blocking with gift of air and just claiming he goes insubstantial. And that's cheating. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will read you the book. It says melee. It says melee. You missed a line or you never really read the line or in your head, you just read breaking and then ignored the rest of it. Um, the, the cultural and local like mentality around enchantment is often based on local metas and or any ability is based on local metas and if you start breaking those perceived ideas of it people get mad it happens yeah they don't they don't battle a game in with all due respect they don't battle a game in texas like we, we like we do in the midwest <laughs> right. but, but they have different. a different concentration yeah. like up here, we really, really like Paragons. We really like battle games. We push our Paragons to be some of the best in the game all around. Uh, we do not push our roleplay for our Paragons very well in Polaris. I will state that. We are like, yeah. Paragon is a battle game. It's technically all around. You also have to roleplay. Um, but in Texas, they push Warlords more. You have to roleplay, but roleplay can be one of the things that give it to you. Right. And in Polaris, we don't count roleplay as a big factor. So things it's like... A factor. It's, a, it's, not a, it's not as big as a factor as other, as other kingdoms. Um, yeah. Like podcasts like this and, and discussions like this, I don't think happen as often as the kingdoms that the, the ability on the field matters less. Cause I mean, Polaris, we have a very high standard of our, I think almost too high of a standard of our paragons. We're like, you gotta be five to one. going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> that, that's a lot of work. <laughs> well done. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what we do hey i also encourage people have to like make their own style right and like run with that too it's just from the get-go of this kingdom i said we're very militaristic we like <laughs> to fight especially good year every month we got together and we fought and then after the good year we were like okay we shouldn't fight each other because that's how bad blood starts so we went and started pooping on other kingdoms <laughs> and then we're just like oh my god we're so good we thought we we're okay because we we're only fighting each other then we got to fight everyone else uh yeah yeah so i mean um i love to be the i, I love the conversations that we're having uh i have about 30 minutes left right right, right. and we're move on to the tangents so, so uh your you're the last one on our list for this, the the hidden gem. Uh, go How to stay on focus with your list and hidden gems because we just went on a yeah, tangent right. for about 30 minutes. Yeah, all right. So uh, staying focused on my list. So I kind of have uh, a little bit of the – I kind of go on the opposite um, than uh, what you guys do, which is, you know, asking your team and whatnot. The – my my sort of local uh, – park and i think uh i don't know how much crimson circle does this but it seems like they do this when i visit crimson circle so my nearest park to me that isn't my park is um a lot of people aren't really super interested in what i'm taking sometimes they will ask me if i'm taking something but because they're not usually interested i don't usually ask people what they need 
sometimes I will go out of my way and ask people what they want. I'm, hey, are you guys interested in anything? Is there some kind of cool thing that you want to do? Like, I know people that you know, if they hear that there's an opportunity for them to get void touch, they're like, please, give, give it to me. I'll be like, okay, I'll put it on my list. It's just it's a couple of points at fifth level. You can have two. Um, but uh, when I'm not really focusing on everyone else around me when building my list, I will usually go in the opposite direction of instead of focusing on game objectives or you know, who to counter, whatever, I run into this issue of like, I want to solve every conceivable possible problem at once. And so I spread my list out on a bunch of things. And then I decide, all right, do I really need some of this stuff? And I start to whittle it down. And so I, I don't really usually think of the, of the game objective until after I've made a sort of broad list. And then I focus on game objective. And then I focus on like, you know, enemy, particular problem players in the enemy team I may need to focus on. My issue is if I go in the other direction, I spend too much spell points on um, things that seem like they're the game-winning kind of spells, and then I have more trouble taking those away if I need uh, more utility in other directions. So I just, I do it, I guess I do it the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's my personal thing. So... Uh, if all if anyone's watching this and they heard all of you guys say focus on the other you know what the other team needs and focus on the game and they feel like they can't do it good news you can do it the other way around um <laughs> any hidden gems hidden gems first of all i'm super excited that haj mentioned uh his uh his banish thing uh because if it for some reason didn't come to his mind i was excited about what he told me that he did which was um Sometimes you don't always need teleport. Uh, if you've got astral intervention and you've got banish, you can simulate a teleport. Right. Um, and so it costs an extra spell point because you're talking about two different spells instead of one spell. But they're both per life spells, so the so it's not it's not really a bad purchase. You're gonna have a bunch of them. Um, and then it's got the uh, it's got the utility of like I, it's it's hard to offensively teleport at you know use uh, teleport <laughs> offensively at enemy. But if you do not need a get out of jail free card, then half of your teleport is natural intervention that you can hit people with. And the other half of your teleport is a banish that you can either hit that astral guy with or hit you know uh, an assassin with and take care of it. So I never. I didn't think about that on my own, but Hodge taught me about that one day, and I was like, dude, that's really cool. But that's not my hidden gem. My hidden gem is I like to... Um, I don't use this very much at park because it doesn't come up, mm -hmm. but in larger battle games, when I'm not running a particular archetype and I'm just playing a non-archetype sort of generalist wizard, sometimes I like to grab planar grounding over dimensional rift. And that may seem silly. Because Dimensional Rift just kills the insubstantial guy and handles the problem. Mm. Um, but sometimes you run into instances where the insubstantial opponent that you're trying to deal with is really good at manipulating their insubstantial state. When you have a Gift of Air opponent and they go in sub, they can just exit it right away. Um, so if I've got some buddies with me and there's somebody get this Gift of Air... You know, this wizard's a problem, and somebody hits him with an arrow, and the correct thing is to go insubstantial. Sorry, Texas. <laughs> they go insubstantial, and then um, I'm like, good, he's insubstantial. I'll de 
Uh, and then they're like, a return to the physical world, return to the physical world. They hop out of it, and it's like, oh, I'm a D-Riff, don't do anything. Um, but if you, uh, you know, and then also uh, uh, assassins can do the same thing. You see this with some Paragon assassins or some pretty good assassins are uh, the jumping in and out of insubstantial to uh, sort of make a spellcaster stumble over when they're going to finish their spells. Um, so if you're casting something that's not in sub on them, then they jump in substantial, then you're about to cast dimensional rift on them and they hop out of it real quick and you don't finish. But if you cast planar grounding on people, you just say like, I'm done with you doing insubstantial stuff. You're not doing it. If you're in it, you're out. If you're not in it, you're not going in it. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's got the same uses it's per refresh but it's at a lower level so you could buy more of them mm -hmm. um and then i'm particularly fond of the the concept that if you have an effect that triggers you into an insubstantial state such as gift of air or such as like undead minion or something um it just removes that enchantment um if it's supposed to trigger and it can't because of the 30 second you can't go in substantial effect from planar grounding mm -hmm. so it's kind of like a if you don't if you like you just burnt a dispel magic on on somebody else and you're you're between recharging it right now and there's an undead minion guy you know monk who's giving you problems well not a monk you can't do it to monk but you got an undead minion that's giving you problems or whatever well, okay, well I can planar grounding him and then if anybody hits him then he's just dead. I'll uh, get rid of him. Mm -hmm. Um, or if you've got a gift of air person and they're giving you troubles, the planar grounding can be like almost just as good as a dispel magic as well. If you can't go in sub because I planar grounded you and you get hit by that arrow, well, now you might not be dead, but your enchantment's gone and your gift of air is gone and mm -hmm. you can't enjoy your gift of air anymore. So get out of here. Um, and then finally, if you're in larger and larger battle games, the necessity of you straight up killing somebody with your spell is lessened because there's just so many friends and whatnot. Like, I'll I'll get them out of the sub, and then you stick them with the polearm. There's plenty of us. They'll die. You just debuff them, and right. they'll get killed. Yeah. That's my hidden gem. Um, I like that hidden gem, partially because uh, it works on a lot of those cases that are annoying and problematic. Like, I know Gift of Air... Uh, becomes like a barbarian target like you have to send a barbarian at it at park level because normally there's and not a lot you're right it's source cool yeah it's it like covers a lot of bases it's real nice um all right so uh our next question is things you want to uh do to focus on to get better and i think we've talked about them throughout this you want to talk uh you want to work on cardio because you're speaking a lot you want to work on throwing because you're either throwing a lot you got to work on your speed of casting because you're casting 24 seven for the whole battle game. Um, uh, are there any other skills that we really have to focus on to get better? So I'm sorry. Did you want to pick somebody or should I just jump in? Jump in if you're good. Yeah. Okay. So um, in, in terms of like generally teaching people, here's things that you can do to be a better paragon is uh pretty much those things and then also uh learning the names of people over just getting descriptors down uh, changes two things thing number one is just faster to declare your target and thing number two you still have to have an open hand but your pointing restriction doesn't exist anymore right and so um one of the things that i'll do is if i know who i'm casting at and i don't have to point at them um, a lot of people like to do this thing where they either point like this 
which is there's this little chicken wing arm, which is silly, or just like make their arm like super vulnerable and point like just stick it right out there so that somebody can just whap it with a sword if they charge in. The ace and attorney point. Like, yeah. Huh? I, I said the ace attorney point. Yeah. yeah. That, that whole meme of just, ah, Drifton. <laughs> but <laughs> what I like to do is if I know your name um, and I'm casting at you, I'll just bring up a hand, just kind of just covering my torso with it. Because mm-hmm. uh, if like, people know that I'm casting, they probably want to shoot me with an arrow off in the distance or they might have a buddy or something. And like, I don't want to lose my casting hand, right? but I'd rather lose my casting hand than get hit in the chest by something. So like, you can just bring your hand up, just block stuff, just bring a dagger up here mm-hmm. or your short sword, you buy a short sword, short swords are good. Don't discount the short sword. Yeah. You know, bring the sword up and just put your, you know, put your hand out. You're, you're, you're blocking yourself. You're protecting yourself while you're casting. That's a thing that'll make you, uh, it, I, you, that's not a big, big skill to build up. It's, it's pretty like the, it's like it, you go from not doing it to doing it, bam, you're done. Uh, it, but it'll improve your longevity cat, you know, being alive in a battle game. So that right. makes you better. A tiny, tiny thing you can do to make you better. To, to remember also, you don't have to point with your open hand. You can point with something else. You just have to have an open hand. So point with your dagger, put your open hand someplace else. Your vulnerable hand. Yeah, like the open hand is required, but if you put it, you know, down or close to your body and you're pointing with something else, it still works. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, a like a one word change that is in the book. It's weird. Uh, any other things you need to get better at or you want to focus on to get better at in or outside the game? Uh, I'll leave it to everyone. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the next one. Um, knowing your enemy is the biggest one for, for wizard, in my opinion. Um, you, once you, fo- once you focus on like the basics, like all that stuff, you, you kind of really want to instinctually know what the best way to deal with each class. And on top of that, the, be- the there's different ways to play different classes. Like, you know, if you see a Druid, it's not necessarily, you know, an avatar of nature Druid. It could be mm-hmm. a summoner Druid. It could be something like that. And, and, the solution to that might be different. Um, one thing you'll notice, and this is kind of like the thing, my state, uh, the the staples thing, is that the answer to a lot of these classes is ice ball. Ice ball is the, one of the best ways to deal with just about anyone. But I mean, it's not exclusive to ice. Ice ball isn't the exclusive way to deal with it. Um, like warriors, best way to do it with warriors, in my opinion, wounding. Oh, you, you have a problem with a monk, heat weapon. You know, you have a problem with a barbarian, lightning bolt. Lightning bolt, like, ends barbarians. Mm-hmm. They can't go into fight after, well, they can go into fight after death. It's not a good idea to go into fight after death if you died while stopped. Yeah. <laughs> um, so knowing what's good against everyone and, 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 Another way to think of it is instead of classes, like it, it's a good way to start at your local park, find people who you generally have trouble with and come up with a plan on how to deal with them. And once you get it down so that like, oh, I'm up against this situation, I know what to do instinctually so I don't have to think about it, then you're really getting into uh, like what, how, you're really getting into how you can just dominate the field as a wizard because now you're you're, you know how to deal with every situation and you're dealing with it as it comes. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, Haj and Brosan, you guys both spoke up on that. Do you guys have more to add? 
Go for it, Hajj. Uh, mine's really quick. It's just get better at fighting. <laughs> Stick scale. Yes, it applies to everybody, whether you're a wizard or not. Yeah. Proton? Learn names. Yeah. Uh, like, for, I would say knowing as many names as possible is important for wizard and bard equally so because you're the most verbal classes there is and that's just i mean that's a little little trick of the trade too because that that cuts off more time most of the time like three syllables clear. yeah yeah um so to build on that you also want to get used to casting when you don't know names get used to yeah. doing you know bard and blue warrior in black like get used to doing that because you want to be able to fall back on that but uh, but you do want to know names as much as possible yeah um <clears throat> a good one also is just healer healing oh my god <laughs> that that is a good one i am partial or class plus compliment because more people will take that and some barbarian <laughs> i mean that works until you get the uh uh al who comes up and you're like handsome paladin or handsome anti-paladin he's like not handsome steps <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's decidedly not going to take compliments and it, i find it really entertaining if you give him a compliment and he goes nope not true Steph. <laughs> Grape me up from the barrel, that's what I am. <laughs> that's when you reply, well, you know I'm casting at you because you responded to me. Take it. Ow! That's true, that's true. Objection. Uh, yeah, objection! <laughs> um, all right, are there any weaknesses that we haven't covered that we need to be aware of? We know we're squishy. We're, we're, wizards are squishy because you have uh, some <laughs> weapons, but not a lot. Um, you can counter some of that. Haj mentioned with the, and Haj specifically uses a down stick longsword, which is uh, much more defensive than a upright longsword. Um, uh, you're squishy. Um, you need a little bit of extra protection either from other casters or you need some armor because stray arrows will take you out as well as being suppressed as a wizard. I think is probably almost worse than death because it, you're out of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're suppressed, Unless you have a charge spell ball, then yeah. you have like the, You've the one, one go. Thing you can do. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Um, are I, there I any other five, weaknesses? Sorry. I have five seconds real quick. If we can jump back to the previous question, yeah, yeah, yeah. one, other, one other thing that people can do to get better. And it, it's, it sounds silly, but if you get better at talking to other people that play your class, it will happen. You will get better at your class. Yeah, discuss um, open discussion. I learned catch and release from Merrick. Merrick says he learns catch and release from from Hodge. Uh, you all everything that you learn is just comes from other people. You, you're not going to invent the wheel for everything. I didn't even invent the spellball bandolier. I came up with just the linchpins, just to make it like easy to have a spellball bandolier. You just buy the thing on Amazon and stick it into a sash that you already have. You don't mm -hmm. have to craft thing. Yeah, so, I have one of those. Talk to people, talk to people. Yeah. So discussions. You're doing it right now if you're listening to this podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Any other weaknesses we need to be aware of? Oh, uh, yeah. knowledge. knowledge. Knowledge of your spells. To, yeah. To hit on the point earlier, 
Know your spells. Thou shalt know thy spells. <laughs> First commandment. <laughs> Uh, that is a that is a weakness is knowledge is because is because like like I said a big part of your class is you know you you are versatile and you have you know all of the different states and all of the different uh, um, all the different states all the different schools all of that means nothing if you don't know what the best use of that of those schools and states are so there is a knowledge requirement to take the full advantage of wizard mm-hmm. with every class. You don't yeah. know how, you're, how it interacts. You're you're missing out on a bunch. Hodge, what are mm-hmm. you saying? Spellcasters are weak to cold. Uh, if your <laughs> mouth is cold, it's hard to talk fast. It is. Uh, yep. What was the other one? Vitalin, you said uh, chapstick is a caster's best friend. Constructive, constructive hot, hot take is uh, is chapstick is a caster's best friend. I don't know if that's still true. I don't know if it's their best friend. Um, and I'm not telling any, I'm not telling anybody that they have to wear chapstick if they want to be a paragon, but you know, in lieu of other things, try it. It's not like I've got, I, you know, I've got dry mouth problems sometimes, yeah. you know, my lips try to glue themselves together, put some chapstick on there, hydrate them. It helps makes things easier. I keep chapstick in my uh, little and caster bag. Better. The chapstick helps. People <laughs> think that you're garbling your spells bad. Put some chapstick on. <laughs> it's like magic. I- Magic oh, that's a good one for the whole garbling your spells thing. So actually, I did this mostly with healer. Um, so that's my best my best spell example of that is that. But anyway, you say your spells, and you find what part of that spell is the hardest for your mouth oh. to say, and then mm. you say that part over and over and over until. Drill like just muscle memory in there yeah so for me the hardest part of the healing spell is let the white light of healing and if you like do that with your mouth it's like a lot of lip movement like mouth movement the l to the w to the l again let the white light of healing but you just say it over and over and over and over to get it um i don't really have a wizard one that does it but i mean i know i just you practice your spells that's another thing just i've got wounding drilled into my head because that's kind of my like go-to spell if if i'm panicking wounding hits pretty much everybody and they're not going to chase me anymore mm-hmm. Brothan, you were saying a weakness a weakness uh especially uh for newer people coming into the class uh and for when people talk up spellcasters like I know when I was starting Wizard, people were like, Wizard's so powerful, it's so good. So people have this false concept that they're like one of the most powerful class in there, so people don't focus on teamwork. Uh, don't have that misconception where you can do everything on your own. It's like, from our talks throughout this thing, it's like we talk about how in our kingdom we want our Paragons to be worth five. Just because you, you're you trying to get there doesn't mean you should put yourself in that position because you think you have the power or the ability to get out of the situation. Like, if it's a team crunch moment, it's a team. Think of the team before yourself. Yeah. Just because you're the wizard, you're you're not Gandalf, you're, you're not here to stop the Balrog, 
you're here to fling some spells to let your tanks roll over the people, then you can laugh at them as you walk by them. It's, uh, but that is a, that's a factor. When we say uh, a paragon is, is one to five ratio, it does not mean that they are one solo person that can take on five people. It means they're doing the work of five people because yep. <clears throat> there are no, I mean, maybe, no, there's not a single class that is actually a one to five ratio of it's one person. It can take on five people and kill them all efficiently. It's that one person is worth five people and they know how to utilize their skills, their abilities, their things that are not skills or abilities, but just factors of the game and to work with their team to make sure that they're doing more work more efficiently. Um, okay. Now, you, that's not to say that you can't take out five people. Like, no, I've, I've kind of done we have all cursed up newbies. We feel bad about it later, but still. <laughs> it's... Like, I've done it before where I, there's, there, I saw five people, and I immediately um, ice-balled the fighter in front, and then I break concentration the, the caster. And all the rest of the team were so reliant on those two people that they froze up. And I could just start picking them off one by one. All right. So there are situations where you can do that, but we we're not saying you have to be able to do that to be a paragon. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, you don't have to be able to do that. All right. So uh, to our most important question of the podcast, in my opinion, is how to get better and not ruin people's fun, especially with wizard, because wizards available to do this very, very heavily. So Vitalin, if you want to start us off, because I know you got to leave shortly. I was going to say, I also didn't get a weakness. Oh, um, weakness. What's a weakness? I'll throw in two weaknesses, one caster-specific and one wizard-specific. Wizard-specific, as I mentioned it earlier, uh, there are people who will tell their teammates that you are a target. That may not sound like a specific, like, um, uh, like well, wizard isn't on paper not any weaker. It's like, yeah, 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 but you have more attention turned towards right. you. Uh, wait, that... That's it is a hurdle that you have to overcome. That's a weakness. Another weakness, um, and this hits this hits every caster, and this also I think hits newer casters more than it does with experienced casters. But experienced casters suffer this as well. Paragons suffer this as well. It will happen to you again. It, it will always happen. Is uh, yep. I know, I know Kaz's name. I know Merrick's name. I know Haja's name. I know Broton's name. You know, sometimes when I'm about to cast a spell on you guys in the middle of the field, I go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Well, I've known you guys for like years of my life, <laughs> um, and I don't know if that fits the exact definition of of duress. But it's that kind of nerves where you just like it's like oh I just forgot I right. can't cast them now I don't know who they are. <laughs> Um, even the yeah. best let's get tongue tied every once in a while too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so what, what I personally do to combat this, and I don't know if this is the best way to combat it. Um, but, uh, it, and it doesn't, it doesn't work if you're doing, if you, if the, you're primarily spell casting because you have to think on the fly, like it's the on the fly part. That's the problem. But if I've got some distance between me and my opponent, or if it's just before the game starts and I see who my opponents are, I could do a little bit of drills in my head where I'm just like, that dude's name is Hodge. I already know his name is Hodge, but like I might forget this game. So like <laughs> Hodge, extension, command and stop, command and stop, command and stop. Just, that's when I'm going to cast it him when I go up there. So mm -hmm. remember that. And you see you do like a little, like still five seconds or whatever, just like whatever you're going to cast or something before you get in there, before you do it can help alleviate duress. Right. 
Okay. And I don't know if that's the best method, but that's it. It can help, and that's what I use. It's mental elasticity. It's hard mm -hmm. to. It's hard to overcome without actually actively practicing and yeah. like getting better. I'm pretty sure the last time so, that Hodge and I were on a field together, Hodge, after that battle game, Hodge was telling me that he was having that problem as he was like, he couldn't cast at me because like, my name wasn't coming into his head. So, so it's like, like a GACA thing. Okay. Let's get let's get to the final question and have Vitalin start because yes, we are we don't want to we don't want to run Vitalin out of his uh, his Easter weekend he's got to go to. Yeah. Well, we also might have a question from the audience since we do have someone in the audience. This is true. Good it's... news, Vitalin always loves to talk, and I can answer audience questions later. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> You'll find me. All right. So, uh, how do you get better and not ruin people's fun? This is super important with Wizard because it can really ruin fun. Okay. Um, what I personally do usually is play Warlock in games that are bad for Warlock. <laughs> uh, but it was mentioned in an, in an earlier episode of On the Path where it's a, th a thing that you can do is dumb yourself down and just then like play something that's less efficient. Um, but something else that you can do um, is that you can play specifically not for yourself but you can play your class for somebody else and you can do this as, as wizard. And so what I mean by that is um, there is a, a, it's a, it's a play style or a strategy that you can do. I like to call it orbital wizard. Uh, people used to call it shoulder cannon uh, wizard where you would pick a buddy and that buddy um, I usually personally like to have a shield or armor, somebody who's a marshal or something who has longevity. And um, the person who taught me this was a was a healer lady from the Rising Winds um, a long time ago who said, uh, hey, wizard friend, you are coming with me. Um, you're going to be doing all the damage and I'm going to be doing all the support. And she would have me grab onto the back of her belt so that wherever she went, I got I got pulled along, um, and you could do the opposite, um, where you know she was doing the support and I was doing the damage. As a wizard, you can be doing the um, if you got an armored person, you could be doing the mends and the releases on the guy, and then you can also be doing um, target uh, like debuffs on the enemy, and it will seem less like you're ruining everybody's fun and more like the pair of you are ruining everybody's fun so they can kind of shift the blame. <laughs> but also, it also helps you get better because, um, and like I said, I call it orbital wizard now instead of shoulder cannon because you don't have to stick that to that person. Mm -hmm. It can help teach you to be better at playing that class because one of the things that you can do as well is that when somebody else wants to engage the, the pair of you, your person here doesn't have to do it. They can stand right there because they've got the shield or the sword or the armor. Mm -hmm. And then you can step back right here and they can't get you unless they're also a spellcaster. Um, in which case they got to deal with this person who might charge at them because the distance is reduced. If they're in range of you, your person in front is closer to them. Right. If they're not a caster and they want to hit you and not this person, they got to go around your buddy. Mm -hmm. And so if you build your spell list so that you heighten and emphasize this person, um, it come it becomes less about you necessarily making everybody's stuff trouble. It puts emphasis on this is a team game, 
and you guys got to work as a team to figure this out and they don't have to figure they don't they no longer have to figure out you as a problem they have to figure out the group as a problem maybe if they can figure out how to remove that person from the equation you aren't the problem anymore so i could actually talk about this particular topic forever so i don't i don't know because <laughs> uh, it's it's really good it's it's a good teaching technique it can help divert um you know divert the the problems away from like ruining your park with stuff uh mm -hmm. to a degree um and then also it has the potential of being less efficient than you ruining the whole park with your build and whatnot because like the person that you're working with you're building them up but they might not be there yet to like right. really be super effective with you so that if they're not perfectly in sync with you then they might be dumbing you down as well and then you're not necessarily ruining everybody's fun by being way too powerful. And so I, mean, I think it comes with a lot of bases. Right. It's a good it's a good practice, especially with newer players. I know Hodge mentioned on the last one, make those new players the gummies. Make if you've got somebody that's only got three points of armor that's a warrior, make them your your assistant target for the day so that you are helping them stay powerful. Make those newbies feel powerful and, and have a good time. Um because they're literally fighting against a level system that's against them, basically. Like, mm -hmm. if they're level 3 and everyone else is level 6, they've got less experience and less abilities, they're going to have a hard time doing stuff. So, make them feel more powerful. It'll keep them in our game longer and potentially get them excited about your class or continuing their own class. Um, and if you're level 1, and no longer related to the question, but and if you're level 1 and you have very few abilities, um, staying behind that person lets you at least get to be alive and then True. get to use the couple of abilities that you have. Like, I got some force bolts and some heat weapons. I got to use them because I wasn't alone. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't off on the flank trying to hold off four barbarians by myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you that being go. said, yeah, that's my piece. It's 10.03. Uh, I, I, this, I had a whole lot of fun being here. I cannot wait till the episode comes up. Uh, hello to everybody, and I love you to everybody. Um, everybody in the audience, hello. And then for everybody everywhere, I love you. Have a good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, we're going to move. Uh, let's go Broton. Uh, what is things you do? Uh, how to get better and not ruin people's fun. Wow, I can talk today. All right. Well, I mean, I agree with Vitalin. Uh I, I like picking a battle buddy and basically letting them make decisions as I move around with them. Uh, for Wizard, though, uh, it's like something I've been, I was toying around with uh, before the COVID. Uh, was uh, I really found a fun build of being an enchanter wizard. Ooh. Where I take all the enchantments I can and men's and whatnot and releases so it, it's not a lot it's not not a lot of enchantments but at the same time i make a lot of people more deadly and i also take a long sword because then i get to like dick around a little bit and have fun with a long and and it's like oh you know, just having fun and it's like it really lowers my my effectiveness effectiveness in battle since mm -hmm. I'm dropping so much in enchantments. I'm taking the five points for the longsword. So it's just like I have basically I have all my spell points I normally have. And uh I just 
want to make people feel more deadly and I have to give people the plague with contagion or turn someone into a vampire to make them immune to death and then they get adrenaline it's pretty goddamn god great or it's like if I want to be like sort of culty I throw on a goddamn um oh why void can't touch? I think of it right yeah void touch yeah, I, I'm doing good. I've only been up for over 24 hours. I yeah, got, you gotta go to sleep after this. Um, oh, I gotta drive after this. Oh god, uh, I think it's funny to find out. Like when we look at really the enchantments that we get from other classes, uh, that we get from the casters, the healer has the best protection. The druid has the best all around because they've got armor and a little offense, but the offensive spells that are or the enchantments that are really powerful are the wizards like contagion is terrifying void touch is amazingly offensive and uh even if you're only throwing vampirism on somebody adrenaline is great with a lot of classes like being able to heal by kill good stuff uh and it's one of the few things that make you immune to death yes without it being a natural state yeah it's uh yeah. It's tricky to get that without purposely taking it through one of the healer spells. Uh, Hodge. So I know how to get better without ruining people's fun um, in theory, but like in practice, that's something that I, that I struggle with. Um, Cause I usually like, I have, <clears throat> I have lists that, uh, one is like it's a support list and i wrote it because uh aggro you know he would he would be, he was basically always put as my foil on the field uh because we can't be on the same team like obviously on mm -hmm. a small game so he's always against me and he's playing warrior and like you know wizards are just kind of the natural counter to warriors right so it's easy for me to do a myriad of things um so i wrote this list so that he and i showed it to him and i'm like look man i wrote this so that i can be like your support class and i'm just gonna go around with you and we're gonna wreck people the problem with that is though we could never play that at our local level because again we were always on opposite yeah so we had to wait till like a kingdom battle game and um i think the one opportunity that we had it uh he wanted to do something else i think or i wanted to do something else something like that so it didn't work out but we'll get it it'll be awesome too uh and that's cool that vitalin had has his own like name for that sort of thing too um the orbit or something orbital orbital wizard yeah or orbital bombardment something like that um and i have lists that uh are they're just called candy wizard and you just take all the enchantments that you can um i like that idea though of taking all the all the like death enchantments though that sounds kind of cool um but yeah i don't I don't usually play that way, um, but I should. I know I should nerf myself sometimes because not not every game of Capture the Flag needs to be like the most intense game of <laughs> Capture the Flag I've ever played. 
Yeah. I mean, it's when you're hyper competitive, it's very hard to, to tone it down and like purposefully mm. step back. Um, it's just finding different ways to make your competitiveness work for you and not against the growth of the park. It's hard. Yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to get more into role playing as well. Um, Cause that's something that we don't do a lot of in our culture. It's not something that I particularly care for, but I'm going to do some like funny shit, like <laughs> some like goofy shit. And it's going to be fun. I know there's a, a Paragon wizard from, I think it's nine blades. I'm not hundred percent sure. He plays a pirate. Um, and he uses yeah. his spells like guns. Hell yeah. Works. I like to think of my, uh, my wounding as I'm like blowing off somebody's kneecaps. <laughs> that is a good way to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to picture that for a moment. Like that's a, that is what it is. Oh God. <laughs> Got four shots left. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Works. Cat. Um, I've actually kind of had to deal with this cause I was helping my friend, uh, resurrect a, like, an old park you know and they had mostly newbies there so i'd show up and play and like we were really pushing you know stack deck at the time so i really wanted to get better at at certain points of wizard but i also didn't want to kill the park Mm -hmm. and really i realized from like suppose i was like the biggest jerk ever and i was thinking that from this from a purely you know selfish standpoint of like i want to focus on getting better even if i was going to do that i'd still want to tone myself down because if i kill the park then I can't get better (laughs) like long-term, you know? So it makes sense even from a practical standpoint of even if you're like the most selfish person ever, it makes sense to get better. So what I would do is um, I, and I was really working on, you know, learning to throw at the time. So I would say, I'm only going to take my ice balls and lightning bolts that I take in Phoenix league. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to use those a, I'm not going to play spell ball wizard. I'm not going to play evoker. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to manually charge them and throw them. And I'm only going to throw them outside of 10 feet. Um, and I was still very effective on the field because ice ball and lightning bolt are powerful. Yeah. But, you know, I would limit myself on what I could do on the impact I could, I would make. And if I got a little bit better, you know, if I got better, so I was still the most powerful person in the field, I'd switch to force bolts. You know, I'm still working on my throwing. I'm still, you know, impacting the team and and learn and teaching myself how to get better. And that's the important part. Like, if I just took a whole bunch of spells that I would never use, then yeah, I'm not impacting the team, but I'm also not getting better. So that's 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 like the the careful wording on your question is how do you get better while also not killing the park? And I think yeah. that's a good thing, thing to do is say I'm going to take this aspect of the class that I'm maybe a little bit weak at. And I'm gonna focus on that. It's a it's a good tactic to to narrow down your weaknesses, figure out how to make mm-hmm. them better, and then make sure that they're not you know killing the park. Um, yes, <laughs> it's it's hard for every class, especially as we get better, and it's hard for everybody that is, especially people that get up in warriors. Um, their stick skills just starts outclassing everyone. Got to find a way to to utilize it effectively for your park's growth. Um, yes. All right, so now we're on to uh, audience questions. Uh, If anybody has any questions, they can ask them. Uh, 
you're you're available available to unmute yourself at this point. If not, we'll move on to constructive spicy takes. If we have any of those. Hey, brother Augustine, you got a question? I've actually been pretty good. Uh, most of the stuff that I've been thinking about asking half of the time gets answered by the questions that you guys or the, the responses that you guys have. So we're, we're all good on my front. Comprehensive We've been, we've been pretty thorough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make a good comprehensive like list so we can keep asking questions, get good discussions. Um, otherwise, then we'll move on to do any of our panelists have constructive spicy takes about Wizard or Paragon? Um, the only one I do, and I've brought this up in other podcasts, is that like I have noticed, um, and and our our Reeves and our other casters, we not we need to get better on holding ourselves accountable. But I've noticed a lot of people they leave out syllables when they're casting verbals. Mm -hmm. Like a big a big uh, version of that is with the wizard uh, hold person, and I still see it to this day. Uh, when I first started Amcard, I thought that the incantation was the words command stop three times. Command stop, command stop, command stop. When, you know, there's an I in there, there's a V in there. Like when cast rapidly, it should be, I command thee to stop, I command thee to stop, I command thee to stop. It should right. sound like that. But I still hear every once in a while someone saying command stop, command stop, command stop. They leave out the syllables. And um, yeah, we just need to get better at holding each other accountable for the stuff like that. Right. Making sure those... I mean, for commanding to stop, it's still the 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 real thing you're you're like ignoring basically because the commanding mm -hmm. to stop uh, or commanding to be stopped is uh, the the hard T and B sounds. You have to mm -hmm. hit those, and then it's basically just a continuation of that sound, and it, it is that word. So then, just make sure you t -t -t between those words, and you're basically done. Um, yeah, one th one tip that we used to have uh, with V seven when there was a lot more spells that started out with I do something, um, like finger of death used to be I call for your death five times, is that we would tell we would tell people don't say I call for your death say I call for your death I like add a, add the word I at oh, the end of everything. So gotcha. I command you to stop I command you to stop I, so mm -hmm. you're, you're it's stop I S T O P E Y E you know. <laughs> That works. Whatever you I'm see, so can't correct. You said that because I was going to bring that up as well, Cads. That's awesome. <laughs> Are there any other constructive spicy takes? Um. Yeah, I have something. It's kind of. We'll see how constructive it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cads, um, I believe you said in a previous one of these episodes that you would consider it cheating if somebody said, I travel through the ether, I travel through the ether, I travel through the ether. Um, to sort of indicate that they had just cast that spell. And then if they were to, uh, now you didn't say this far into it, but that would then imply, you know, then maybe they act as though they're insubstantial. You said that you would deem that as cheating. Um, uh Oh, if they said it three times as opposed to five, and then... Correct, yep. To be ultra-cheeky, sneaky. Mm-hmm. That gets now, a little close. You yeah. see, I, I believe that technically that is not cheating. However, I would like to ask my peers what you guys think of that, because I could 
absolutely have um, a, a wrong view of that. So my opinion on that, and this is this comes from me, like you know, spending a lot of time clarifying the rules on the official clarifications board, mm-hmm. is that the, a big weakness of our game that we don't have that like World of Warcraft and stuff like that is we have a lack of special effects that that immediately denote our state, mm-hmm. like um, we, like in World of Warcraft, if you you know if you hit someone with say a frostbolt. They turn blue, and they and like they start their animations start moving slowly. So you you know just by looking at them that they're that they're slowed. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for like a lot of different things. Like you frost nova somebody, they have like ice around their feet, so you know that they're they're stopped. They don't have to communicate that. In um, Ampguard, we don't have any of those fun special effects. The only way uh, we that we have to do to let people know that we're frozen or we're insubstantial is to communicate it. And it does kind of sit imply in the rule book. And it what I know it was like the intention of the framers, the people who wrote the rule book is that we're basically supposed to be doing a stupid amount of communication. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be like honorable to each other and telling people I'm frozen. I'm insubstantial. Like let people know their state. Like, you, like if someone has an enchantment um, and they they engage you and they don't declare their enchantment and then you hit them and they say oh i have magic armor it shouldn't come to us as a surprise like you should be communicating that so that's why i say it's kind of cheaty to do that because now you're taking you're you're using the fact that we don't have any other way to communicate our state other than direct communication as an advantage and i know that so, is against the spirit of the rules i i do agree with everything you said um I would like to put a spin on it like this, however. If you're using it in a way... So what if I'm just going down the line and, like, two encanting shove at people? Like, mm-hmm. just to see if they take it. Yeah. Like, cats my power shoves you, power shoves thee. You go to the next person. And I have absolutely done this. You just <laughs> two incant your spell at a shit ton of people. Now, for for that, I would say... If you're on like you know a Phoenix League field and you're and you're competing against teams that know better, and if you two incant somebody and then move on to the next person, if they take it, they're veterans. They know the game. It's their own fault, you know. Like <laughs> it's but on like a field full of newbies who don't necessarily know that every spell has you know almost every spell except for a few have three iterations yeah. of the incant. Um, you are using their lack of knowledge of the rule book to your advantage. So it's not really the most honorable thing to do. Um, that's what I would say about that. That's what I'd say about that. Uh, like if you use that on me, I would know you only use that twice. I'm not falling for that shit. Right. You know, <laughs> it's, I so, think it's utilizing this, the, the ingrained kind of template that we have is that when someone finishes an incant they say the last line louder um mm-hmm. like they, yeah yeah they say it like that and uh it's utilizing a lot of human psychology to skirt the rules to a not quite skirt the rules like you were technically following the rules to the letter but you're very very close to basically causing purposeful confusion with the spell mm-hmm. Um, 
it's probably not the best on a competitive field maybe on a park level field probably not the, be the best thing like yeah. if i were reaving at my park and someone started doing that i'd be like be like hey can you cut that out you can, know can you like, cut <laughs> instead of finishing the second end can't can you just not finish the second end can't like that'd be better <laughs> yeah for sure it's something that i have done not something that i I currently practice and, and I agree that it's not something that should be done because it just causes confusion and it's 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 just kind of against the spirit of the game right like you're like it's sort of like if the game had simulators and it showed when you're being targeted it would just like yeah. show everybody that you're being targeted and oh my god the spell's almost done wait yeah, you'd see a cast bar you know yeah somebody else and then it just and I mean, fizzle. Eh, it's just weird. It's just like a weird thing to do. But uh, as Cads was saying too, it could possibly take advantage of new players. Yeah. Um, and it could cause confusion in that, in our lack of communication system that we have, where people might just be like, well, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, he must have used it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, man. It seemed weird to me. Right. It just seems like weird to be in. And it's kind of like the newbie mentality where you're fighting someone who's a veteran and they got and they do that and you're like, and they just have the mentality like, well, they just got that spell off of me. So, and they're better than me. So I'm just going to, you know. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's one of those. Things. Sorry. Go you're good. Uh, so I guess in, I guess uh, relating to taking advantage of our knowledge against new players. So I saw somebody in, we were at clan and he was um, swift, ambulant finger of deathing people. Yeah. I've, I've seen that before too. Swift finger of death. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, he was swift, ambulant. The reason it isn't supposed to work is because uh, spells at a range, uh, spells that are used at a range of touch and swift can only be used on spells range of touch or self. Um, th those must be used on a player who is willing or unable to move and engage in melee combat okay yeah. but here's the thing so so i told him right away like hey you can't do that dude just so you know and he came at me like i have been playing this game for 10 years and then he came up to me later and he's like dude you're right you totally can't do that okay but here's the thing though it's like you you can you can do it and it's their choice whether they take the spell or not. And it uh... expends your use of the spell. So if you're doing this to somebody who doesn't know that, mm -hmm. then you could you. So the way I've used this to my advantage is I ambulant released somebody from Blink, knowing full well that I shouldn't be able to do this but i'm like huh, let's see if i can get away with this you know basically let's see if i can take advantage of their not knowing this little loophole 
and are they going to take my release? And they did. And okay, all it is is I get to walk around and chase them with my ambulant release because I'm a wizard. It wasn't too broken, but still it's taking advantage of people not knowing something. I think that one was harmless enough, but what do you guys think about doing that as, you know... Um, I personally wouldn't do it just because, like, the the rules are written in set, such a way that it assumes that you know that you're not supposed to, to ha- like, take that. Because And another reason, they, they took out all the touch spells in V8. There used to be touch spells in V7 simply from a safety perspective. Like, they, they don't, like, the rule book doesn't want you touching people uh, mid-combat. Right. Because, um, like I said, it's a safety issue. So it's kind of the thing, again, where, in my opinion, you're using their lack of knowledge um, of the rules, and you're only beating them because of their lack of knowledge, lack of like lo- like knowledge of the fine details of the rules. I personally wouldn't do it, and if, and if I I was reviewing a game and I saw someone doing that, I'd be I'd be like, hey, like you know, don't please don't do that, or and then let the other person know, hey, you don't have to take that and all that stuff. Like it is your choice. I I agree with you, but I would more say that like as people who are knowledgeable about the rules, we should strive to make a better example, better field and everything like that. And, and not use set said knowledge against other people. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying I actively do these things, but these are things that I have done, you know, mm-hmm. in my, yeah, it's fun. Throw that out there. <laughs> do we have any other constructive hot, uh, hot takes? No. Okay. I think we're good. All right. Um, that is uh, going to be our episode. I'm going to have uh, recorded Merrick, pre-recorded Merrick, uh, the uh, intro exit. I don't know. He's going to roll us out. There we go. Uh, I want to thank everyone for coming and participating in this really long, super early <laughs> uh, version of Pairing on Path. And this should be up Friday. Um All right, pre-recorded Merrick will roll this out. This has been another episode of The Paragon Path. If you liked what you heard or saw, please drop us a like and follow on YouTube or Spotify or Google Music or anywhere else that you can find us. We have a Facebook page on The Path that lets you know when we're recording, what you can join into, and what to expect next. We record these episodes live every other weekend on the Kingdom of Polaris Discord. Link is in the comments. If you'd like to learn more, please subscribe, comment, or just drop us a line. As always, happy to see you on the field. See you next time.